curious listeners, it is episode 55, which is clearly the key important thing that has happened in the hobby this week. And not at all anything to do with the new 4K box set, which we may or may not discuss. <laughs> ben, good evening. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. I'm glad to hear it. And how are um, you? Um, a little excited, one might say. <laughs> uh, tanked up on coffee is also the other other option. <laughs> so, um, well, yes. Yeah, so, as ever, we will go onto the hobby desk. Ben continues to build his way through uh, his plastic mountain, taking it from flat pieces of plastic mountain and putting it into shapes that are piling up on his uh, windowsill. Um, and I have painted more chaos. Whoa. Uh, shock, that is. Um, moving into the galaxy of war. What? Well. Well. Yeah, there'll be some stuff. Uh, the mortal <laughs> realms. There will be uh, a bit less stuff in the mortal realms, it has to be said, uh, on this occasion. So just a little bit uh, in the mortal realms about uh, one of the books, Callus and Toll that Ben's listened to and a little bit about the Realm Lords um, Ben's plans with that going into the community as always shouting out um, some great stuff we've seen and also we've got a competition winner as well uh, and then finally into the wilds where we talk about well wild stuff so um, yeah anything you need to add? um Ben's mouthing at me, drowned earth, because I've clearly forgotten what we were planning to talk about. <laughs> um, actually, I was trying to keep it as a surprise for you guys, but it's out there now. Um, so there we go, drowned earth at the end. So I've ruined Now, the Ben, intro. after you've ruined my intro, <laughs> shall we go on to the hobby desk? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> guys, you know what to do. Grab some refreshments and join us on the hobby desk. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 55's Hobby Desk. Um, Space Marines! (laughs) It has been a really remarkable month of releases. I suppose it was inevitable once lockdown started to um, relax itself that we were going to get bombarded with with and stuff. um, We're going to spend the first section that we always do talking about what we've been... Skeletons on shields! (laughs) What we've been getting up to. Do you want to go first, Anne, or should I go so first? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Dude, I'm so excited. I don't know if I can make it to the 40k section. No. It is... We just had the unboxing video this afternoon, so we're both a bit hyped about it. Woo! 40k section should be good. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... No, so, so, so actually, let's go hobby desk. Um, I'm going first. Uh, decided. Good. So, yeah, well, got to crack on and get to that 40k section. Um, <laughs> so, I have finished painting 53 Blood Reavers. Um, so, I went back and looked, and, and then that was after the last episode that I finished those. Um, absolutely over the moon to finish those. Really pleased. I have a lot of those now. So the only thing I have left that I own for Chaos for AOS are four Blood Crushers um, for for uh, Corn Chaos. I I do have the Godsworn Hunt 
and um the oh I can't remember what her name was the the woman from Malign Portents um Dark Oath Chieftain yes fantastic model um, that it's one of my favorite yeah, Age really of Sigma models that's so that's just over well it's about six and a half thousand points of corn for AOS so that's Naz all painted up um. I'd rather not see another Blood Reaver paint again. <laughs> Although I say that, but I, I still want another twenty with the double handed axes, really. Yeah. Because I've only got twenty of those. Only and I've got Yeah. Bad. Well I've got eighty flipping five of the other dudes. So um I do need a few more of those. They look really good with the double handed axes as well. Yeah, I do think they look I I th- I think they look better. Um Really cool to see the the difference between the Blood Reavers I painted, the first Blood Reavers I painted and the ones I painted now, uh, particularly because the ones I painted now take about half the time yeah. the ones I did then and are, and are a lot better, um, largely because of the skin, really, and the approach on the skin. I, I just do it differently. Uh, contrasts really helped with that. Mm. Actually, I think probably the method... For the skin now would work anyway uh, without contrast, but it is still contrast. It has been a real game changer for those mm. guys. You know, it's, it's all the little stuff. I've said it before, all the pouches and all the things like that. Um, and uh, they don't need. I don't need to highlight all the belts, uh, which is what I did on the previous ones. They don't need to do that now. Um, actually. More important, put a little bit of extra time into the skin and the metals where you can actually sort of see the difference that that time has taken from the tabletop. You don't need, you know, the belt he's wearing, not <laughs> really going to notice. Um, and actually the, the, the contrast gives you that gradation or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so really pleased, really pleased to get them done. That was batch three, wasn't it? Yeah, that was batch three. So. That was the 25th of May I looked up today. It was 25th of May. So it's the 13th of June. So I've realised I've got like oh, 18 days and I'm not, I don't feel close at all on the next batch yet. It's, yeah, but the, it's a the thing with this batch that's been different is that you've had to build a lot of it. <clears throat> oh. Whereas the, the other ones you'd, al- you'd almost built. Actually, that is a good I'd forgotten. Sorry, banging my cup. Um, yeah, I'd completely forgotten that actually. So, so talking about the next batch. So the next thing on the list. So this is now rounding out forty k chaos corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I that I own currently. When I say that I own my quest to to paint up the things that I owned, basically sort of spilled over a bit because. <laughs> Because I had five Terminators. And what you owned grew. <laughs> and I thought, well, be basically, completely your fault, um, but quite rightly so, I needed to have eight of them. Yeah. So I, I bought three more of them. And then I, I literally had one box of open Chaos Bikers. I'd photographed them to go on to eBay. Uh, and then I bought... Two more boxes of them and a box of corn berserkers and turned them into <laughs> chaos, corn, chaos corn berserker bikers. Um, 
and I'm so happy that I did because yeah. they are going to look proper cool. What's really nice about this batch is it's adding a lot of different play style and, and different types of units. So I keep talking about the batch. What's in the batch? So there's a Venom Crawler in the batch. Um, there is, I'm just looking behind me, um, the four Blood Crushers I mentioned getting done in this batch. Eight Terminators. Um, a Dark Apostle. Eight Bikers. Uh, two Heldrakes. Eight Terminators. Yeah, I said the eight. Oh, oh, a Chaos Lord and the... <laughs> Obviously, the guys can't see me doing, like, the spider motion, but the... Uh... <laughs> what is he called? Guy on the Spider. Yeah, Creepy Guy dude. on the Spider. This is ridiculous. You're Arch... the one who remembers names. Oh, I can't remember what he's called. That's so bad. Oh, hang on, this box is down here. In the in the recycling. Ah. Lord Discordant. That's what he's called. Yeah. Oh yeah, I bought him as well. Um Just so, into your box. Well, I needed to he looks amazing. He is a, such a good model as well, when you've got him. He just looks even better. He is a lot wider than looks, I thought. It's huge. It's huge. Mm-hmm. And and he just Oh, he just looks so good, mate. So good. Bit fiddly to put together actually. But really cool. Um, and I've tried to do him like striding up some rocks. So I've done up all the bases um, ready for this lot. So, yeah, it's a bit of a monster task. Uh, at the moment, everything is corn red. Um, and I've gone through and put like a bit of a Zenith type highlight with Evil Sun Scarlet um, on it. Uh, some of the gold is done on the Heldrakes. They're all in a little bit different stages. So the Heldrakes have got the gold and some of the silver done because I'd started painting them previously and I've gone back and, and carried on, changed a couple of things I'm doing. Um, I've managed to lay down quite a lot of the red with an airbrush, so, but avoiding metallics and stuff. So I was able to undercoat them in lead belcher and then go in with the red which mm. has helped i think it's going to speed things up I did things like i painted all the wheels on the bikes with the airbrush in mm. black um so i've been trying to practice being a bit more controlled with the airbrush so i was able to do that without really any overspray to be honest which was quite good um and again on the bikes all the red was done with the airbrush after a lead belcher base coat mm. uh, and again i was able to do that largely without over there's a bit of overspray but nothing that's like insurmountable so actually i think touch wood those bikes are going to be pretty quick the, the just bikes put themselves some, uh, typhus corrosion over the overspray and say it's, <laughs> <laughs> say slap, it's on, slap on some typhus corrosion cover yeah, everything so, with weathering <laughs> yeah of course there's a bit of a time element now because i want to get it done ahead of the new box set yeah um uh yeah so that's that's sort of my hobby desk and, I, and i've also been exploring on your recommendation the grimdark compendium um should we really, talk about that in the community section yeah i was gonna say we, yeah. we'll talk about it more in the community section but i've been really enjoying looking at that style of painting um i was i was like thinking I, i'm just gonna go that way now 
But I think on reflection, what I'm going to do is use a lot of the techniques as a yet another tool yeah. um, for how I'm going to paint. Because actually, there's some stuff I really like about the the standard uh, standard in inverted commas way of painting. Um, I think some of it I li- I like grimdark, I really do, but I worry that. On the tabletop, some things might it might just all look a bit too dark. Mm. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, so that's me. Um, you've been building more stuff. Yeah, I'm still building. It's um, it's become a bit overwhelming to be honest. So I've now pretty much finished my elf army. I've got the white line plastic white lines to do, and I've got um a few of the characters to do that need assembling time. And I've kind of been putting off. But the army is now in a really good place. Um, So I've spent most of this month doing things like putting together the chariots. Um, So I've got quite a lot of chariots, to be honest. The dragons were sort of tidied up. Um, The rest of the cavalry, so the Illyrian Reavers got done... Um, the silver helms got done. Um, silver helms took a lot longer than I'd hoped because no, they're not great models and they needed a lot of green stuff. Um, just to, you know, to make them look right. But actually, I think once they're done, they, they do look, they don't look too bad, but they, they did take a lot of effort. Um, but now, now I'm starting to see where I'm heading with those two armies. So, I've got a nice size high elf in inverted commas army for Age of Sigma, which I don't really care if the rules disappear. I will use those units for something. I will just call them something else. And I, I know none of the people that I play locally are ever going to care if I call my swordsmaster something else or whatever, because I just love the, I just love them as units. Um, but what it, where I'm at at the moment is that. I now have a unit of 30 of the, I'm going to call them second generation metal, mm-hmm. um, special and rare units. So the Phoenix Guard, the White Lions and the Swordsmasters and a unit of 30 of each. Apart from the Phoenix Guard, I need to still buy two more boxes of those to finish off. But I've got 30 Swordsmasters now and, th- and 30 White Lions. Um, so I just think that's going to look really cool with like the, the older ones in metal and the newer ones in plastic. I think. It's gonna look really nice. Um, it, I haven't. Li- it's. It's. I find it really frustrating talking about my hobby at the moment because I literally haven't stopped, and you know, you know that it's better than anybody because we chat so often now, and because of lockdown, I literally haven't stopped hobbying in my spare time, um, putting stuff together, and it feels like, it feels like I've done nothing, but. I have, and I suppose in some ways the best way to look at it is to look at my my high elf bits box is now empty. I could probably fit it in something that's a sixth of the size that it was originally, um, and that would be my milestone. But I've started to come to this really difficult realization because um, I was trying in my head to work out how I was going to get everything done. And it, I got to that point when I got my space walls out just to sort of have a look to see how many of those they needed to do. And I thought, oh my God, um, I've got, 
Um, and then I thought, well, actually, you know, there's a lot of these that I'd sort of half forgotten about or they weren't <laughs> in my mind when I was thinking about the yeah. hobby. Um, and I've, I'm a terrible hoarder. I've, don't, I've never thrown a model away and I've never sold a model. Well, I have thrown some models away that were really bad before you realised you could strip them, but I've, I've, a lot of them still are still kicking around. So I've got 30 years of models that I haven't, I just cannot visualise in my head. So the last week or half a week, I've been doing something that I kind of knew I should have done a long time ago, which is start to, <laughs> this is going to sound so moniker like but <laughs> but I've started to catalogue what I've got so that I know what I've painted, I know what I've got to paint, and I know what I've got to build. <laughs> um and I can start to look at those things and think, well actually that army I'm I never want to do as a like a proper army in inverted commas. I I don't I'm not I'm not gonna ever want to you know, a win a tournament painting competition with them or something i i just want them done um and i can start to in my head visualize how i'm going to do it so today for example i've gone through my space marine bits and realized i've shamefully got enough bits to make another company of space marines which um was quite a bit a bit well a bit much really to try and work out how i'm going to ever do those and whether and i suppose it's come to the point where, with a lot of these projects, I'm actually thinking, will I ever do those? Is there any point in even considering them as part of my backlog? Because it it can start to affect your mental health a little bit to do with the hobby, to the point where, not like your overall mental health, but your mental health to do with the hobby, where you just think, I can't be asked because I'm overwhelmed with what I've got to do, and there's all this stuff that I want to do, so you end up just not doing anything. <laughs> it's just a really ridiculous place to be. So you end up you end up doing that thing that I've done so many times, which is buying the new status kit and buying the new release boxes and buying all this, that and the other and never getting around to painting them because, or never even sometimes getting around to building them. You're just sort of buying them because you always have done and not doing anything with them. Um, I think the challenge you've got though, is that you can visualize a collection around pretty much everything you own. Um, so, you know, and I think that's the case for a lot of people, you know, there's not an army really in Games Workshop Game Systems that you couldn't say to me, right, you, you know, what would you do for this? And I could spiel off what I would want to do for that. You're just in the position where you actually own a load of miniatures for most of those things. Um, but it is a hell of a backlog. And some of those backlogs are very simple very simple in some ways. I mean, a really good example is is my Orc, 40k Orcs. I have the second edition starters kit. I have two of Black Reach, but because my brother gave me his, um, because when he stopped the hobby, he gave, he gave me his. So I've got two sets of the Orcs for that. And I've got Gaskell Thracker and all the stuff from Prophecy of the Wolf. They're just standard releases. They're starters kits. But when you put them all together... They can be a bit much <laughs> if you haven't been doing yeah. them as you went. And I think also, I mean, I said this to you the other day when you were asking about how many are something you should do. And I was like, you, you need to do the minimum that you feel is acceptable, not try and do more. Um, and that is that even a speedy paint scheme 
is still going to take an amount of time. Doesn't matter how fast you think you can do it. It's like, um, I'm sat here with this batch I'm doing now. And actually on paper, it, it, it is just red with airbrush, second red with airbrush, do the metal, wash with this wash thing. And it's pretty much done. It's, it's really quick, but there's a lot of it. You know, there's a lot of it to do. Uh, and I think, I think it's going to be important. I, well, as I said to you the other day, I think you, you said you were going to do this. I think you need to compartmentalise it. And I think you need to say, right, well, these projects are going in boxes in the garage. Look, I know exactly what's in that box. There's a list. You're doing that on the computer. There's a list of what's in that box. But that is not for 2020. In fact, it's probably not for until 2024 or something like that. And just go and put that out of the way. Because otherwise, you're just going to get totally your brain's going to go. Yeah, that's exactly my idea. My my plan with it is, is because I can't not get new releases. I, can't, I just can't not do it. I get so excited about them. Um, if I want them, I, I end up getting them. Um, and then to not paint them would be, would be defeating. They'd just be adding to the boxes of shame. I need to be moving forward all the time. It's just I'm sort of catching up with what I haven't done in the past. So my idea is to to catalogue my backlog and then split it up and go, in this year I'm going to do this, in this year I'm going to do that, and in this year I'm going to do this, and then run alongside that the new releases, but be really realistic about the new releases. So um, I'm not going to start, apart from maybe the Lumineth Realm Lords, I'm not going to start a new army until I'm fairly confident that I've got the time to actually do that. In fairness to you... And you might tell me totally differently, but my understanding is that since we started the podcast, which kind of marked almost, well, a little bit after you, your resurgence in the hobby, I suppose, um, the stuff you've bought since then, as, as a percentage of how much of what you've bought since then that's painted, I think is a higher percentage than than the stuff previous to that, uh, oh, yeah, by quite a way. Yeah. So a lot of your backlog, realistically, is either stuff from when you were starting out or, or like earlier in the whole, but mainly when you were at Games Workshop and you had a banging discount, fifty percent discount, yeah. and you just went, I'm gonna fucking buy everything. <laughs> Excuse my language, um, but so. So in fairness to you, yes, you have a massive backlog, but, you know, generally, even up to this point, it's been positive movement on the backlog in a way, like your percentage that you're getting done of what you're buying. So if you can reduce, if you know, if you can get to the point where every new thing you buy gets painted, then you're not adding to the backlog. And then the next step is... Every new thing you get, you buy gets painted. Plus, so does one thing from the backlog. And thus, you know, and keep going like that. Yeah. Because you have the, you know, you are very good at producing very nice miniatures at a reasonable pace. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. And you're quite good at, you, you are a very focused person when you want to be, and you can put a lot of time in. You, you, 
you do dedicate yourself to your hobby. So I think you can. I I do. I think to be honest, I, I you know all credit to you for this massive. I'm going to build flipping loads of stuff, but it has gone on and on and on and on. And I really think I cannot wait until you go right. That is it now. I've put together what I'm putting together. I'm going to start painting chisel. Yeah. Well, the, the idea will be, as I move forward, to to put together stuff for maybe one one day in a fortnight just to, just to keep moving forward so that when I get to the end of what I've already painted, I should, I, I should run out. I shouldn't get to a point where I'm thinking, I want to paint something now and it's not assembled. That's what I mean. Well, I think the key thing is to build and paint all the new stuff you buy. Yeah. You know, (laughs) because you've got a shed load of the backlog built now, which is great to work on. So even if between now and in the next, if in the next three to five years, you painted all the new stuff you bought and the backlog, and then you had another four-month building session, you'd have painted masses of figures. I've still got a lot of figures to build. I know. It's, I'm not saying you would paint them all. <laughs> but you would have painted masses of figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it goes back to something that we talk about a lot, and that it is about that understanding of what, what am I going to use this for. So, you know, in my head, my guard army has now become very much... An army that's going to be based on simple color scheme, um, and weathering and making it look good on a tabletop. You know, n- not, not an army where I'm doing the eyes on 300 Cadians, you know, because I think that would just, that would just be a killer. Really. Um, yeah. But I'm actually, yep. I'm actually enjoying the ridiculousness of, um, of doing the backlog actually. So, you know, when you find out that you've got um sort of ten metal heavy bolters <laughs> I don't even know what I would do with that um anymore because metal on plastic just drives me mad. So um but then I can't imagine anyone wanting to buy ten metal heavy bolters. <laughs> so you can't put them on eBay, so they end up just they will just go in the box and stay there. But um it's um I'm actually enjoying getting a grip of everything that I've got to do because my hobby had for such a long time been on the back burner while I was moving between university you know moving you know to go back to a very previous point but when I was sort of you know in the army boarding school and I was taking little bits back and forward but a lot of what I had was at home and it was never really organised, and and it's just it's just a mess. And I did a lot of organising when we moved house, and that's helped immeasurably. Um, but I also I didn't sort of catalogue what I had left to do. But also another thing that I didn't do was was really sort out my storage. I got halfway through it, but I need to do that now because I've got a lot of figure cases that are filled with bits and bobs that need to just come out and go into really useful boxes. And get magnetized so that I can see them and go, that's that and that's this. And I've also started to be able to sensibly think about projects and say, okay, that is done. Because I've got an awful habit of expanding projects 
to the to the ridiculous. So we were talking about this the other day. I painted my iron snakes originally based on um, a tale of many gamers at Games Workshop Plymouth. And it started off as a small army and then ended up becoming ridiculous and becoming a, a company. And I've had all these spare space marine bits. And in my head, I've been thinking of doing another company of iron snakes for quite a long time. But surely one company is enough. You know, surely there's a time to draw a line underneath something and say, that, okay, that's that, done. Um, it's time to move on. Because um, it also helps when I look at new releases. I quite often look at new releases now and think, oh, I'd, I'd like them for my Iron Snakes. And, oh, I'd quite like them for them Space Wolves too. And I end up having to buy, in my head, wanting to buy three of every new primary thing that comes out. Um, but I just it's not feasible. So being able to draw those lines, being cataloging it and being able to draw those lines and saying that's that done now, that is that project finished. Um, the problem is someone went and changed the bloody base sizes on Space Marines between when I finished the Iron Snakes and now, so there is a very real chance I'll have to go back and rebase them because the 32mm base is just so much better. Mm. Yes, it is. So yep. much better. So there we go. There's um, a bit of an update on our hobby. More about how we're approaching it, I suppose, which is good. Good stuff to think about. Um, and there's some new coolness on the horizon, so we've got to get on, mate. Oh, yeah. How long have I been nattering? No, I don't mean go get on in the podcast. I mean get on with our hobby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think... To be fair, I've managed half an hour. Uh, no, I think we should just quickly spend ten minutes talking about something that we're planning. We can do it. Come on. We can do it. So we've been thinking about for a while and just started to put into into motion the idea of running or as uh, with our little hobby group a um narrative campaign. Um, where we get together and meet up once or twice a year, and we quite often you know, hire a um, sort of a, a, a holiday cottage or something and play games. And this time, next next time round, we're going to do a campaign where we all paint, collect paint, and and prepare a force to bring so they all fit together for a narrative weekend of gaming that hopefully we'll use the Crusade rules for, so we can continue it over a number of weekends um so we're all starting to think about that project um and i think you're you're quite keen to do the new 40k box set for it aren't you yeah yeah very much so i i um well part of the reason for that is because when the corn are done or what i've now got for the corn with the exception of adding um a brass scorpion. I don't want to start a new 40k army at this point. Uh, I'm sure that will change. But that is because I've got loads of... I mean, I've got a Caradron army to paint, but that's by the by. Apart from that, I've got things like Warcry to paint. I need to finish painting Silver Tower. Uh, I've got to finish my Blood Bowl. I've got a little bit for Necromunda to do. I've got my Titans to do for Titanicus. I've got 
my Aeronautica collection to do. I've got some Lord of the Rings to do. So I think, I, I feel like rounding off my AOS collection and my 40k collection for corn is a great opportunity to say, right, now I'm going to start attacking all the little bits and bobs yeah. for all the little bits of games I've got. So I don't want another uh, 40k project, an army, big army project yeah. to do. I don't want to. I want, I want, you know, I want to be able to say in my head, right, for now, I have achieved what I want to achieve in 40k. Mm. So, um, you know, I've got loads of flipping terrain to do as well. I don't even think we started on terrain. I, I don't, I really, really like that new box. I think it looks really nice. And I love the models and I love the Necrons and I love the Marines. They all look good. Um, I'd really like to get it and paint it all rather than just do what I normally do, which is get it, sell one half or swap it away and then ultimately end up selling or swapping away the other half. Um, and I figured that it would be a good opportunity to, to do it for this thing. Yeah. You know. Sounds good. I, I think um, I can't remember you ever doing a box set either. Um, ever. No. So it'd be nice. Obviously, I've got the corn half of uh, yeah, the original Age of Sigma one done, but that's the only yeah, only one. I'm actually thinking of going down a completely different route because if it if the armies end up being more imperial than than chaos, then I might end up doing might end up doing something evil, which would be quite interesting. So I'll be use, using basically the Dark Imperium and Dark uh, Vengeance box sets, along with the um, oh, what's the one called where it had the Vanguard force in? With the Shadow Spear. Shadow Spear, yeah. So those three box sets to bring together a sort of Black Legion esque army. Um, that well, Ben, Ben, um. Chambers is going to do Necrons. Yep. And you'll have... Marcus wants to do Tau. They're evil. <laughs> um, Tom's doing Imperium. Chris is doing Imperium. Well, Tom said to me just now, because I asked him what's he doing, he said, oh, he doesn't really know yet. Oh. Chris is doing Imperium. But Chris is doing Inquisition Imperium. They can be on either side. Yeah. So anyway, that's a, that's something that we'll probably talk about as the as the weeks go on. But I thought it would be cool to just sort of mention it at the moment, because um, I'm quite excited about it. We've I've been writing background for it for the last week, um, and I just I just dropped the setting and the name and the sort of hook onto everyone this week, and it's um, I think. Um, in, Future episodes, it might be might be cool to sort. It might be worth to put some of that on the website actually, so people can see um, what's going on with it. Anyway, so um, now I've sort of kept you a little bit longer. Almost see you <laughs> rattling the cage to get out. Should we should we move on to talk about some forty k? Yeah.
Hail, listeners, to the grim, the dark future, where everything just gets worse and worse, <laughs> except the box sets, which are flipping amazing every time. <laughs> so, we are recording this on Sunday the 14th of June, the day after the uh, big reveal of what is in the box set, and oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, and interestingly, it's not a starter's kit. So, so straight off the bat, there's a new there's a new element to this. Um, this is the big super release box set uh, with everything in it. Um, we don't quite know yet what the starter's kit's going to look like, um, and we certainly don't know what the different price points are going to look like. But they're going to be variations on what's in this kit, aren't they? Um, I, I I presume so. Yes. Um... This box is even down to the artwork on the cover mm. is very much in the vein of the uh, Sisters of Battle box and also the Lumineth yeah. one, which is is just coming now. So, yeah, uh, very much aimed at. I, I watched the stream and Pete Foley was was like, "This is completely aimed at the the guys that are already into the hobby um, and just want to grab Everything. a load of cool stuff." And they opened the box. Um, Adam, Trope, and Eddie open the boxes, and uh, there is a lot of plastic in that box. There's Eddie held models. up all it's... the sprues, and like, <laughs> it's a massive it amount does. of models, absolutely huge. Mm. I mean, when you, when you look at the picture of it all together, it's um, it's an insane amount of models. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, it really is. The starting so, just um, with basics is there's a ten man marine squad and, yeah. and twenty Necron warriors. I mean, <laughs> this is 30, yeah, yeah. thirty of them the basic troops in there. So, yeah. So let's talk about uh, the marines first. Yes, yeah. we do love ourselves some power armor, yeah, um, yeah. as every true and right forty k uh, fan should. Um, and if you are listening and you don't like power armor, there's lots of other alternative podcasts that are brilliant. So, <laughs> goodbye. Um, and <laughs> and uh, if this is the first time you've listened to us and you don't get our humour or haven't heard it before, then um, well, well, that's it. You've probably stopped listening by now. So uh, hey ho. Anyway, moving on. So ter- uh, Terminator. It's a Terminators. Definitely not Terminators. No. Um, Primaris with chainsaws. Oh my goodness! I saw some painted up as Blood Angels today, man. On uh, from the Warhammer community team, and they looked amazing. Nice, yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, we could start with them. I was going to just work my way down the release page because that saves me going all over the place. But let's, let's scroll down. No, that's fine. That's fine. You you start wherever you want to start. <laughs> the Primaris Captain is the first on the screen. Um, the the one with the famous skeleton strapped to his shield. Yeah. Um, and it is a space marine skeleton because you can see the uh, the remains of his black lobe, um, black carapace ports um, on the skeleton, Ooh. which is quite cool. Um, and well, he's just amazing. I love the fact he's got his his visor raised. Like, yeah, that's different, that. isn't it? That's there's actually three different heads to choose from. Is there? Yeah. Ooh. So there's a traditional sort of. Fully helmed one. There's that one, and there's a bare head that's reminiscent or supposed to match the guy from the video. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's got it's got the same sort of theme as the as the uh, blade, um, 
blade guard veterans, he's got his sort of tabard that comes down from underneath his breastplate and all the way down. Um, I love that look, um, rather than just covering the chest up with a tabard like they used to do with the Black Templars. Um, yeah. They are my only thoughts with it, and it is literally my only criticism of anything in the box set, is that it would make it really hard to convert into something, some of the more specific chapters. So chapters that you wouldn't expect to have robes um, or, you know, have something else instead of robes. And, you know, obvious one for me is Space Wolves. I've been looking at that model for a long time. I utterly adore it, but I just cannot see realistically how I can make it a Space Wolf. I think ultimately Games Workshop were coming around to the idea that nobody really wants to collect Space Wolves um, <laughs> and therefore there isn't a need to create miniatures to keep those people happy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think that's fine myself. And um, um, moving swiftly on from that, <laughs> uh, one of the things that you can all, uh, notice really quickly when you're looking at this model is that... Um, Every, I don't know if it's a conscious thing, but they seem to have, every metal team seems to have weathered them a lot more, made them look like they're in the middle of a crusade. There's loads of little awesome scratches and bits of dirt, and oh, it's fantastic. I've been mulling over it. I particularly love the weathering done on the decals on its on a shield. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm also quite interested that they stuck the shield on the right shoulder rather than the left, which they've done previously in the past. I quite like it on the left, on the right shoulder, actually. Um, it's really cool. So I think he's brilliant. Yes. Um, really do. So um, there's another Primaris lieutenant. Yeah. Because you got you got him. Yeah, you got to, and and he looks amazing. Looks amazing. Yes. Yeah, he he is awesome. He's probably um, my favourite lieutenant to date, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's brilliant. I, and look at the weathering on his on his. Um, little tilting shield, and uh, on the the painted um, decal on the top of his helmet, um, it's just really nicely done. But anyway, he's carrying a Volkite pistol, which is quite new to 40k, isn't it? Normally, something it's you see... a Neo Volkite pistol. Is it? that? I don't know why Neo is in there, but it is because they took um, the Volkite designs and upgraded them for 40k. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, Chris asked uh, in the painted chat. What is the difference between a Volkite weapon and a Melter weapon? So I so I had a look, and a Volkite weapon sets you on fire layer by molecular layer. That is mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a Melter gun just vaporises you. Boom. I'm not sure you'd be able to tell the difference if you were on the receiving end of either, to be honest. No. I, I, I think both... Not going to go well. Interestingly, though, Volkite weapons were like they were actually in the running with the bolt gun for really? being the weapon of choice of the Astartes, and it was only because of the challenges with regards to manufacture, particularly once the heresy kicked off and those you know a lot of those planets got blown up mm. that um, the bolt gun then just became the standard thing. Um, yeah, loads of dudes were running around with Volkite. Back in the day, but yeah, that's cool and nice to see. I, I absolutely love the fact that his. Um, this is going to sound really daft, but I love the fact that his, his pistol would fit in that holster. His holster is big enough for his pistol, because yeah. there's been a few models over the last few years, n- namely the Reavers are the ones that really stood out for me. 
where there's no way they could fit their weapon in their holster, yeah, be it their knife or their pistol. Um, so I'm re- I really like the fact that that one quite clearly could. Um, brilliant. Yeah. Next up, hands down, my favourite model in this box. It's stupendous. Absolutely isn't it? love this. This yeah. chaplain is just that is everything. Everything a chaplain should be. I suppose the only thing that one might say is missing is the skull-faced helm as a classic icon of chaplinness. But that's not to say that I think it would be better with one. I love this model. Um, Do you think there's a chance that there might be an alternate head for this guy as well? Possibly. Uh, I don't remember it being mentioned, but that doesn't mean that there isn't. Um, but he's just so good. And I really prefer it to the 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 other one. The other the one primary one. Yeah. I've got a real soft spot for that one if I'm being honest, Dan. But this one is this one is amazing. Um but I tell you what, the other one looks a bit more like a kind of a I don't know. More more like he you know, he uses his words to inspire and and it's more kind of like subtle as much as a spaceman can be subtle. This one just like <laughs> cave your head in. With his no, big stick, I got. I kind of get the impression of the other one that he's he's looks to me more like a gunslinger. I mm. always felt when I saw him that I kind of imagined him, imagined him being like sort of a Clint Eastwood character who would just say sort of <laughs> deadly quiet, and then you know somebody sort of upset him, and he'd just have his gun out in half a second and bam, and back in this holster and be like heretic down. <laughs> But yeah, no, actually, yeah, I can see. I think you've put that probably a better way. Put what I was trying to say a better way, really. Whereas this guy, I think, just looks like he's going to smash you in the face. He's coming and kick, <laughs> kick you in the face. Yeah. yeah. And and I do love his Crozius. It's, it's, yeah. Can fantastic. I go back just quickly to the lieutenant and, and come back to this one at the same time? But one of the things on the these two models, when I was going down, that really stands out is a couple of design features that are quite new to the Primaris. So, um, if you look at like the the thigh armor, it's curved. It's got a lovely sweep to it that I really really like. Um, and also on the kind of errant armor style gourd gorget around the, the neck, they've brought the um, Aquila eagle, you know, the eagle chest eagle, up onto from the chest and up onto the gorget, and I mm. or gorget, however you want to pray. Just murder some French words here, um, <laughs> but um, I think you, uh, when you look at the the chaplain with that eagle coming right up onto the collar, I call it a collar, and I, I can't go wrong with collar. <laughs> um, I think that looks fantastic. Yeah, really do, and I love That's... the spiky shoulder pad as well. Yeah, it's just brilliant all around, brilliant. And do you know who he reminds me of? My favourite chaplain when I when I first got into it, second edition chaplain chaplain with the Half bionic face. Yeah, yeah, no. It yeah. really reminds me of him. Um, it's like could it be could be him. Never know. Absolutely, yeah, I, I agree. He probably he's in in a running for the my favorite model in the box set, without a doubt. I'm just counting. I can definitely see at least eight skulls on him. Yeah, just from that one shot. So, um, so moving on then to the the Judy car. Hmm. Interesting model, this, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. A lot of um, querying around what 
you know, we know he's an executioner, but I don't know a lot more about, like, who he's there. I mean, obviously, he's going to be executing the foes of the Emperor, but does he have a role off the battlefield that is is different? He's in the black armour, indicating he's part of the chaplaincy. Well, it could also be... He reminds me a lot of the um, Empress Champion. Empress Champion, yeah. Yeah, if you look at the right-hand side of his of his breastplate, he's got those three bone-like things coming down. So, yeah, he is definitely part of the chaplaincy, isn't he? But he does remind me of the um, of the Empress Champion. One thing that is interesting is this is the first of two models where I've noticed that he doesn't have a right um, outer shoulder pad. Yeah. Um, which is, which I think is quite interesting. Um, I love the fact that he's got soft gloves. Mm. Um, I don't know whether he's wearing armor underneath it, but it certainly is the sort of indicator of a swordsman, a person who wants to feel the blade and have sort of more dexterity in his hands. But, um, I'd be interested to know, like, what background they go for with the armor because it's quite different. It is. The leg armor is very different. It's it's very it's like a stormcast space marine leg, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. Um, I love the I love the little um, hourglass. The uh, the temp temple mortis. Temple mortis. I'm assuming yeah. it's going to be a little bit like the sands of time knife from Prince of Persia. You just get if you mess something up, you just turn back time and. Hit him again. Um, See, that's more that that is more fitting than me thinking it was like the time turner from Harry Potter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dumbledore's going to run onto the battlefield and be like, "Quick, spin the thing!" <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that, dude. Like, we must rescue Sirius, and then that guy comes through the wall. <laughs> oh, wrong game! <laughs> <laughs> wrong setting. I I would say though I I'm, I suppose the only thing I'm not sure about is the helmet. I'm not sure why the face is covered up. Well, yeah, but I that's going to be in the background, isn't it? I suspect. Yeah. So. What one to what one to look and find out later? I suppose, but it is interesting. He's left his right shoulder pad off. I think that that's an interesting little little thing. I wonder. Um... Yeah, I wonder why that is. Don't know. Oh well. Well, obviously I don't know, but <laughs> throw that in there. So, um, again, moving on. Sorry if we feel like we're whizzing through these, but there's a um, lot to get through. There's a lot to go through. So we're on to the Blade Guard veterans, which basically are what everyone's always wanted in a space room, really, aren't they? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean that. Yeah. Do you know what I'd love to see? Now, this is not going to help you. I'm just going to warn you now. This is not going to help you. Those with spears. Oh. Yeah, I know. I know you've made the decision, but that that is what I thought when I saw them. Because I remember your guys you were doing with spears where you had, like, the power sword was the spear. Yeah. And I loved them. Uh, so, yeah. They, but, oh, man, these are so good. I bet you we see some of them with um, uh, the white bit that's on their shield, but people will do that with marble. 
Yeah, somebody will. Yeah, they are amazing. I, I, They're the, superb. They look like they've all got an iron halo. Yeah, yeah, that would be sick. <laughs> Storm shield, power sword. Yeah, it is like they were like, you know, all these people, people going on and on, me included, about oh, there's no combat primaris, there's no combat primaris. Boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have absolutely. these. One of the things I think is quite cool is um, they've all got those like little rosary things. Like Emperor's Rosary things. All, so far, all of the ones we've looked at have got them. So they, they look like a cross hanging between their legs. Yeah. Um, hanging from their belt. And I would love to do those to tie in. Because I'm going to do my sisters a battle with theirs glowing, like the front box. Yeah, are. yeah. And I'd love to tie these in as well. So they were like proper bastions of faith striding, like, striding through the maelstrom. It's interesting because on the stream they had Jez on. Yeah. And he started to talk about the different because these are obviously full of that cool iconography, whereas the previous Primaris were quite deliberately not. Yeah. Um unfortunately my computer had a moment and I haven't got to see the actual interview with Jez, so I can't really give much more insight, but if you are interested it's worth going back and looking. Mm. Um but yeah, I love these. I like the Crusader helms on them as well, Dan. Mm. It's nice to see those back. They'd make lovely Black Templars. Yes, they would. All of these so far would make lovely Black Templars, to be fair. Um, so, Blade Guard Ancient. Master crafted power swords as well, they've got. Heavy bolt pistols. It's just ridiculous. Right. Yeah, so. This guy. Model number two without a right shoulder pad. Yeah. Bionic face skeleton relic. At least, though, to be fair, all these skeletons cropping up are showing that original Astartes have still got a use for something. <laughs> oh, dear. That's going to go down <laughs> like a bomb. <laughs> um, He's great, isn't he? I love his he nonchalance. Is. He's just, I'm going to bother bringing a weapon. I'll just take a set of keys with me. Well, well, this guy, he's got, he's got a hand. He's holding on to the hand that looks like it's come off the, mm. the skeleton. So he can slap you around the face. <laughs> Would make a fantastic, um, little, well, um, imperial fist, wouldn't it? With the hand held like that. It'd look great. Yes. Yes. I like the way his iron halo thing is as well around his head. Yeah. Different to the. Yeah. His tabard's quite different as well, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's 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 the tabard, and then it's two extra kind of. It's almost like a, a coat mm. added onto the armor, which yeah. is interesting because you know being a standard bearer is an important thing, uh, and in the past it, it's just been sort of a, it's not really been a very religious thing, for for well, I say religious is the wrong word, but. You know, you found Space Moon heroes who had it. Like there was the, the I think the most famous one for me was the Space Wolf one, and he had a name. I think um, I forgot what it's called though. The, the Wolf Guard carrying the standard. Um, and there's been a couple, but realistically, they they just seem to be like 
any old member of the first company or the, you know or the command squad was just given a standard and that was it whereas this guy looks like he's you know he's initiated into something different he's he's different he's got a different purpose mm. and you know, I love the fact that he doesn't have a weapon it's almost like it's just showing absolute disdain for the enemies of the Imperium. Like, I don't even need a gun or a sword. I can just hit you with my awesome stick. Yeah. And I, I just think it's fantastic. <laughs> I just think it's fantastic. Yeah. And he's standing there like he's observing the tide coming in. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's just brilliant. Unflappable, completely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, talking about melter weapons... These are absolutely awesome. We're on to the next one, by the way, guys. These are called the Eradicators. Um, and they have got melter rifles. Which is uh, <laughs> which is exactly what it sounds like. Long-range melter guns. And they, they are just wonderful. And, oh, John, yes. What I really like is the... Um, I know you've talked about it loads of times, but... The use of the different armor marks, armor types of armor for different yeah, yeah. roles. So these guys in their gravis armor, because they are going up close and personal. Interestingly, gravis armor with stripped back shoulder pads. Yes. So they haven't got the full Terminator sized shoulder pads on. They've got like slightly stripped back ones. Um, I suppose to just allow them a little bit more maneuverability, but. Yeah, I, I'm loving the different use of Gravis, and you know all of them because Gravis is the perfect armor for these kind of guys getting in mid range and just hammering tanks. Yeah, yeah, but, oh my goodness, yeah, they're just the case, don't they? Mm. Um, so I've already mentioned the assault intercessor squad, but we've got we've come to it now. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're just brilliant. They're just yeah. brilliant, aren't they? They they just they're all the poses that you spent ages like cutting and shaping and holding the old marines in shape to get cool poses like that, aren't they? But it, it, these ones are just all in those poses. Yeah, they is great. They're fantastically dynamic. Mm, you probably want to do something cuz you've got five uh of each basically. Um on the sculpts because they they they're a single sprue of five, so it, it's there's they're duplicated, um, so you might want to move something around. You might not be bothered to be honest because they look lovely, don't they? Yeah, like well, I said, it's not too noticeable that there's duplicates in there, but no, no, I don't think. To be honest, at first glance, I didn't think about it. It was only because I noticed it in the stream mm. that I've looked for it. Um, as I say, saw them in Blood Angel colours and. Yeah. But to be honest, if it's got combat weapons and it's not painted red, it's never going to be as good. Yeah, sure. with combat weapons painted red, is it? I'll tell you what, they'd make lovely flesh terrors, wouldn't they? Yes, they would. Because you're just trying to say every other chapter other than the one that's obvious between us, they would make fantastic space walls. I can't see it. No? No. I can Wolf Tales trailing behind them. Love it. Yeah, they would. They led would. by, by Haldor Ice Pal. Oh, dude. This oh, yeah, they would. Oh. They would look good when led by him. And Ragnar, to be yes. fair. They'd stand up nicely next to Ragnar, wouldn't they? Yeah, in your face. <laughs> yeah, it. they would. 
Yeah, they would. Oh, with snowy bases, leaping off pretentious pieces of rock, bit of blood. <laughs> oh, me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh dear. Right, move on. It's quick. this squad primarily that makes me want to have at least two of, of the space between half of this kit. Um, you are ridiculous. No, because I, I need the, I need them for my space. No, tools. no. But I don't do need. I don't need. I don't think, for example, the blade guards would make any sense in a space wolf army. No, but, but then I'm sure that you'll be able to get rid of. Well, you won't though, because you'll just keep them and start a whole new army. But the chaplain, I reckon, I could turn into a wolf wolf uh, wolf priest. I think he would look ace as a wolf priest. And the the Judicar, I could do something. You know what you should do? I know you said you want to do exorcists, and I'm really pleased and happy for you, right? But you should do one of the the new chapters that came, one of the Ultima founding ones. But anyway, because that would be sweet. And then you could use all these models. I'm dead set on the Exorcist at the moment. I love it. Well, that's good. You, that, I'm happy for you. I tell you what would be cool: Scythes of the Emperor, because they were wiped out almost to a man. Yeah. Yeah. Black and yellow. Right. Anyway, um, Outriders. The Judge. Dr- now, I am disappointed with these. They they have missed a trick here. Why have they not put the Judicare or the Primaris Chaplain on one of these? And then we could all go and just just call him Judge Dread, yeah. Because <laughs> we know it's going to happen. Uh, these are fantastic. I love they? that these are called outriders. Like by outriders, you know, it conjures the idea of like a scout, like a lightly armored scout that you you know, if he comes across the enemy, he falls back and takes word back. You know, outriders in 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 the Empire Army were like. Dudes with a pistol on a horse. Yeah. This guy is is this is not a dude on a horse with a pistol. This is insane. They are banging those. I absolutely love them. Yeah, I love the fact that the front wheel clearly looks like it can articulate to bring it over different terrains as well. Yeah, I'm glad you added that in because if I read another post about people going, oh, it's going to ground out, flipping out. Hopefully, it'll ground out on your face. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like space marine bikes haven't been low to the floor forever. But, you oh, know. No, indeed, but indeed, the, uh, the, they are armed to the teeth as well. So they have got heavy bolt pistols, and they call them. Interestingly, they call them primar Astartes chainsaws. Okay, so I don't know if that's going to be different from a normal. I hope chainsaw. so because I think. So Chainsaw at the moment does give you a bonus, gives you extra attack. So yes. I, that is good. That is a step up. But when wielded by a, a nine foot, you know, genetically modified god warrior, it, uh... I guess though the challenge is what more can something add to being hit by a pole by a space marine? Because mm-hmm. because standard human being hit by a pole or hit by any other item or just punched in the face yeah. it's still going to be bad isn't it? It's yeah. going to be equally as bad. Well in the video he puts it straight through one of them Necron dudes no, Yeah. No problem at all um, uh, Yeah so he's got a, they've got the heavy bolt pistol, they've got twin bolt rifles which is 
brutal. And they've got the chainsword. So they're going to be pretty effective at whatever range you put them at, really. Mm. Which is quite cool. But they're probably going to be quite a lot of points, to be honest. Um, but I think they're going to be worth it. I can't wait to see... Oh, I was just going to say, I can't wait to see the attack bike, but we have seen the attack bike, so we can talk about that later. Let's talk about that now. So, there's a, there's Well, yeah, we might as well talk about yeah. the other two bits that we've seen for the Space Marines while we're on Space Marines. So um, if you waited till the end of the Twitch or ultimately looked at the community site a little bit later, um, two more Space Marine units were revealed. So we had the... Um, Oh, was Invader? The buggy? Yeah. Um, I don't know, actually. I don't know what it was called. Sorry. I'm going to go and have a look. Um, you know what I'm like with names. I'll have forgotten the name of these in 10 minutes. We've moved on to the yeah, next well, one. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm going to go and have a look. Yeah, the Invader ATV. I really like that. Um, And the Fire Strike Servo Turret. So the Invader ATV. Yeah, so do I. There is one major problem with it, um, and that is that it would look fantastic in a squadron of three. <laughs> uh, so that's problematic. No, I, I, I really like it. Um, it looks really modern, as in it looks, it, it looks like a, it looks like the moon buggy. You know, with it the does art- look like the moon buggy with the, art- with the articulated wheels, so that you know it can turn. So it looks like both the back and the front wheels will move when he steers. So mm. it, it looks like it will turn on a sixpence. Um, you know, I, I, the only, I have heard the criticism that the, the minigun is a bit close to the guy in front, but then an infantry Land Rover, the minigun's pretty close to the guy sat in the front seat as well. And well, and you know, also they're wearing power armor, so yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he can just turn his volume down if he wants to. Yeah. Um. So it's also it's it has led to some fantastic Mario Kart memes yeah. as well as <laughs> as you'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, it's slightly worrying. Uh, not to get political but it is worrying when your facebook feed is equally angry about what is going on in the world at the moment uh with regards to statues and um black lives matter and the invader atv from games workshop (laughs) isn't it it's just like what what is going on this is weird so um i would like to give it a base though that is my thing and i've always liked giving but like i used to put bases on um, attack bikes and stuff like that. I, I think giving it a base for me, because it's, it's not a tank. Um, and it, it just would tie it in with the bikes a bit more, but that's a personal preference thing. I, I'm at the point now where I base everything. I don't see a reason not to, you know, artillery pieces, chariots, all of it, I think, just looks better on a base. Yeah, and I, and I don't really, you know, I suppose the only one that I don't, I haven't based is the. I think I did actually in the end. The 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 big crossbow thing for um. No, I did. I based that too. I was going for the big crossbow thing for Stormcast, but looks like I've done that one as well. Oh, the Cell Star Bellis. Yeah, yeah. I just think that. It adds, it takes away a lot from the model, not having the base there to tie it in for the rest of the army. So I completely yeah. agree. I'll be sticking it on a base. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, so I was just going to look because. Oh, when did the. Oh, this is. Oh, no, this is the one, isn't it? Repulsor Executioner. Heavy. Oh, heavy onslaught Gatling Cannon. What's this one got? Uh, just an onslaught Gatling Cannon. Oh, I don't know if that's been on any other. other I think so. Thing. But I can't remember what. Well, the Repulsor. Which the repulsors that oh yeah so uh, I'm just looking to see if the impulsor had no it didn't because the heavy one is is insane but it's I it's not specifically named as the heavy one which because that's heavy twelve which is a lot of shots mm. um, especially when its other option is a multi melter you know you would <laughs> heavy twelve versus having a multi melter isn't really a a trade in, no, in my mind, but um, I can't find the list of weapons. Ah, oh, here it is. So it might be, it might be in here. Ah, Oh, onslaught Gatling cannon, twenty-four inches, heavy six, strength five, AP minus one, one damage. That's what that's going to be. Um, unless they change it, obviously. Um, but yeah, I like that. So then also, the other thing, and the last of the Space Marine things for us to talk about. Oh my goodness. Half an hour so far. <laughs> We're talking about Space Marines. Um, Fire Strike Servo Turret. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. I'm interested to see what that... I mean, it looks cool. And... and, and I just I can't I'm struggling to see at the moment what place it will have in an army compared to say centurions or um just a couple of heavy weapons dudes um which would be able to move then so I'm I'm assuming it's going to have higher armor harder to kill um various gun options but it looks great so if nothing else they'd make great pieces of terrain <laughs> yeah absolutely so um necrons yeah, let's talk about the Necrons. So, um, wow. Yeah, they've had a good old working over, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So starting at the top, then. So we've got the Overlord. Yeah. Um, which is is Ace. Uh, nice to see a Tachyon Arrow model for a Tachyon Arrow because that's a piece of war gear that I don't think there's been a model for. Um, is that what's on his right fist? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think he looks ace, and he's got a hyperphase glaive. Yeah, which is the new weapon, isn't it? Yeah. Now, interestingly, again, listening to the stream, um, it it appears like some of the colours used on Necrons are new, um, and are going to be new additions to the range. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. So, so that's interesting because I know I've seen a lot of questions about the the colours. Do love the colour scheme. Um, that they've gone for. Um, although, I won't lie, uh, the next guy along from him, the Royal Warden, yeah. now he, I absolutely love. Um, yeah, he's fantastic, isn't he? Yeah. It's a shame yeah. there's only one of them in there. He looks like a guy who need, needs to be like a squad of three, but if you got him... I, do, if, I like the idea. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, if you got him looking after you, you'd feel pretty happy. Well, isn't it cool to see a bodyguard who's just got a flipping massive gun? Yeah. As opposed to being, you know, sword and shield bodyguard. I, I like that. I think mm. that's pretty cool. 
Um, yeah, you don't want to get near him, do you? <laughs> no. What I'm interested with this one is um, obviously the photos are all taken at the you know, inverted commas golden angle, and there's a lot going on behind that gun on the right that I'd like to see how that looks, like a cloak yeah. or something going on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd quite like to see that. Um, at the moment, obviously, we've only got one angle, but yeah, it, there's the little something. There's a lot more to see for this model. Mm. Plasmancer is up next. Yeah, so the dude who's responsible for understanding all this new hyper technology, the yeah, all the glaives and the lances and the the new cutty stuff. And he's a hover dude by the look of it. He looks like he's just floating. Yes. Oh yes, I hadn't really noticed that. Oh yeah, that is weird. Very sinister. Maybe they just cr- forgot to attach his legs when they were building him a body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crypto frowls. I think the fact that they've described them as long taloned murder buckets is great. The, these are weird. I like I like them, but the, they are. I'm not really sure why they've chosen to do these, and not the the ones that sort of stick bits of skin on them. Flayed. Yeah, the flayed ones. The flayed ones are really sinister. The, I mean, these look great. They don't. I'm not sure whether, in my mind, they're tying completely with the with the Necron aesthetic. That, that kind of like bucket body is odd, but they. I think. Sorry, go on. Sorry. I'm just musing. I, I mean, I like the model, um, but when you sort of move down from the ones above it and look at the ones below it, I'm. I feel like though that they've tried to break. The mold a little bit yeah. with some of the Necron G- look. Give us some. They've new gone silhouettes. a bit more weird. Yeah, um, a bit more alien, mm. which is is very much the case with those. Yeah. So, the Scorpec Lord, my days. So this guy is a character level of a new take on destroyers with legs. So, obviously, we've seen destroyers that hover around. Um, destroyer with legs. Yeah. Yes. I'm just thinking. I mean, who's the who's the commander then? The Overlord or him? Yeah, I believe the Overlord is. Okay. So, so this guy was like a general or something, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to the way, the way I try to think of Necrons as to what was what was this dude before they shoved him in a robotic suit? Oh right. You're just pretty angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Though, what was what was what is his role in kind of Necron culture? Um, I guess he's just like a big general, isn't he? He's he's got so much going on. He's just a weaponized hate bot, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yes, he is. What's cool is how he does look. He he really ties in well with the Scorpec destroyers, the standard ones. Yeah, you know, yeah he, he does. He kind of looks like if you if you were to go right, I've got these guys and I want to make, but I'm in charge of these guys, so I need to be better. What can I do? Well, I'm going to have another arm mm. for definite. <laughs> you know, so that that's ace. I like that. Um, again, the three limb, the three um, legs, I think adds in again to that more alien feel. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure how three legs would work. To be honest, um, I'm not really sure how a hyper phase blade works. But no, but I'm trying to think biomechanically how how like how three legs would work. Whether you'd move two and then one, or 
we'd have to move two or one or, or one at a time. I don't know. I just I can't. I'm struggling to in my mind imagine how they would move, which to me just makes them more alien. Because um, mm. I think they would look odd and they'd move in a in a way that we weren't used to seeing something move, and I think that would make them all the more sinister. Um, which I guess is why they've done it. I, I really like those guys. Those. That, those kind of four models, the Scorpeth destroyers, sort of acting as a kind of bodyguard for the Scorpeth, Scorpec or whatever, Scorpec Lord. I just think they look. I just think they look fantastic. Mm. The big models as well. It's a wonderful sort of. There's a wonderful height range in the in the Necron yes. army, isn't there? Yeah. And this the next one is a weird little thing. <laughs> the plasma site. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that's all about. Weirdly cute. <laughs> it's a buff unit by the looks of it. Um You can you can kind of imagine it having been like a very menial throw yeah. in life. Um Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, oh they've actually put it's weirdly cute OSL. as well. Yeah, interesting thing. Yeah, there's gonna be some great use of OSL for these for this whole army, I think. But this guy with the big glowy bits on the side, it's gonna look yes. Lots going to be done with that. <laughs> I love this next thing. Canoptech Reanimator. No, it's not an armoured land-walking jellyfish. It's far scarier. This reminds me of War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah, lot, lots of people have said that. And actually, that is only built upon when you see the one with the freaking massive destroyer cannon Yeah, that came out as part of the thing alongside the invader. Um, yeah, really... I just love it, mate. Again, it's really alien. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's moving away more and more from the sort of clean edge technology look. Um, this one looks battered. There's loads of cracks and chips on it that are actually moulded into, sculpted into the model itself. So th- this this is... This is the thing that animates or helps animate. So I'm assuming. I guess weird. One way to put it is, uh, and I, 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 you know, I know this phrase gets used a load, but these new Necrons look more grimdark. Yeah. Don't they? They look more like they fit in the 40k aesthetic, and less like they fit in Stargate. Yes. Um. Don't they? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. And the the next thing on our list is is um is what makes them come across like Stargate. Yeah, <laughs> this is the swarm, the scarab yeah, they swarm. They look so good. I mean, the evolution of scarabs from from the very first ones mm. to these. I mean, these look brilliant. I tell you what, they look a lot like is the ones that Forge World did. Yeah, I don't know if you remember those, yeah. but Forge World they, these just look. Phenomenal and all the different sizes. And Mike Mike Bennett did something really cool with the old scarabs, where he put them. He had bases with flight stands, with one on the top, and then the others stuck on the sides of the flight stand, so it gave it some height. Yeah. That looked really good. Um, yeah, these look brilliant. They're so good. And um, the Necron Warriors reimagined look fantastic. Really good. And what's interesting, going back to what you were saying about um, the the big scary jellyfish, um, these have got battle damage on them as well. Yeah. 
or damage on them. So some of them are like missing, like there's one missing an eye. There's an arm missing some of the upper armor on there. There's some legs missing bits. And what's quite cool, actually, it's kind of dawned on me is the the further through the range, the higher up in the hierarchy they get, the less of that you see. Yeah, and it's because their reanimated equipment is better. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the, the repair the repair systems are better. I think um, it, for me, it, it actually there's a lot of darkness in 40k. I know that's a cliche to say, but we've I've, I've spoken about this before a lot, and, and I spoke I speak to you a lot about it. But sometimes I think that it can be overdone storyline wise. And the idea that the Necrons are utterly immortal and unbeatable and they just keep getting reanimated bugs me. It really bugs me because what's the point then? What you know, what is the point? Where where's the end goal? Where's the hope? But these they give you that hope in a weird kind of way because when you look at them and you see that they don't perfectly mend themselves if they get mended and they can be damaged, and it, it sticks. That you get the idea that actually, okay, so they, they are finite, and they are beatable. They may take one hell of a whooping, but they are beatable. Um, mm. And you only need that small, like, grain of hope to make the whole thing worthwhile. Because if you take away all mm. hope, it's kind of my biggest problem with the Tyranids, really, is that, you know, the Tyranids are just, the, the only hope of the Tyranids is that they might just get bored and fly off. Because you know the the implication is that that's, that's they're just going to be the end of everything. Um, so I like the fact of the battle damage because it gives it gives me the sense that actually there is a hope behind all of this, some, something worth fighting for. That actually, if you kill them hard enough and keep killing them, they will eventually just stop working. Yeah. So, um, Canaptech Doomstalker. Is this the one that was released at the end of the video? Yeah, so not not in this box so this now. Isn't in a box. Unless unless you can make one out of other thing, but I don't think you can. Um, so this is is basically the big stalky walky thing with a massive gun on the top, which I really like. It is important to point out that that big walking jellyfish is is big. <laughs> it's really big. Yeah, yeah. So you know this is also this is also big, um, and weaponized. So. And when you look at the box set, the, the the walker thing is about three times the height of a Primaris. Yeah. If not a bit bigger. Yeah, it's so it's, it's a significant model. Um, and now I want to talk about the Destroyer. The Locust Heavy Destroyer. Big boy. It is incredibly cool. First. It's it's very cool. Um, Did you not interesting want to sing Baby Got Back? When you can, <laughs> when you saw him, um, he got big. But no, we can't. <laughs> no, I may maybe, but I, you know, I, unlike yourself, I don't tend to go in for music that objectifies women. Yeah, that's a fair point. That is a yeah, fair point. Okay, so um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, he. Is incredible and leaves only, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. The current destroyers are now the only miniature left that 
I don't think we've seen a new version of and therefore uses the old green rods. Yes. So I would imagine that they will will be replaced. Um, I say that based on the fact we've seen a massive great picture which looks like it's got a brand new monolith in it, um, which then replaces the monolith as well. But yeah, so overall, the miniatures in that box are incredible. And there's a lot Um, of them. You do get a transfer sheet with the four chapters. They're on the Ultramarines, Blood Angels, Space Wolves, and Dark Angels. Um, if you want to have a, a Chaos Half, you can do those. Um, and then, look at that little smile. <laughs> it was too obvious. That's the trouble, wasn't yeah, it? it was. That's why I didn't get a proper laugh. Um, there's going to be a novel, which thankfully is going to be available in audio because my ability to read is is degrading. <laughs> That's um, diminishing by the day. <laughs> yeah, because I listen to so much so many audiobooks now. Um Yeah. Core book. Oh, there's book obviously there's nice. the core book is in there. Core book's in there with a lovely bit of art on. Um Abaddon striking down Gilliman. Um really good. Uh-huh. Really good picture. It is a really nice image, though, light and dark. And actually, it puts me in mind of the art that you love so much for your high art. Yes. Um, and so I like that. And then there is a background book, a booklet, I suppose, which has got the data sheets for the new units in, but it's also got the the, the story as well behind them, Yeah. behind what's going on. Um, I think it's called the Pariah Nexus or something yeah, like that. That's right, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's good. Uh, £120 is not been officially confirmed by GW at this point. However, there is a number of things that have pointed towards it being that. Yeah, it's enough things that it feels like it probably is going to be that. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, don't have an issue with that. I don't know what you think. I, I think that that has got more models in than any box set that I've seen. Um I think £120 is worth it. You know, yeah. I'd, I, I'm glad that it is the all-in box, because I think if they went over £100 with the starters kit, they'd be they'd be having a bit of trouble. Um, I don't think that's a sensible thing to do. But as I quite clearly stated, this is, this is like, for collectors, um, for people who want all-in. I mean, you've got two... You basically got... Two complete armies in that box. Yep. Oh, essentially, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. So yeah, love it. So there we are. Quite an exciting grim darkness. Um, we will talk more about the new rules and stuff. But to be honest, you guys have done an absolutely cracking job. If you've listened through all fifty, just coming up to fifty-two minutes of this segment on this occasion. So, um, thank you for that. Now, believe it or not, in all of this, something has happened in the mortal realms. So I think, dude, unless you've got something else pressing. No. Because um, I could start waxing lyrical sh- about trying to sure. choose my next Im- Primaris chapter. But, um, you know, we, we we could be here. For- Ain't nobody got time Nobody's for that. got time for that. <laughs> no. Indeed. So let's go into the mortal realms.
Hi, and welcome to the Mortal Realms. Um, not a great deal has gone on in the Mortal Realms, but we have got a few things to talk about. Um, today, I have announced that the weekend, next weekend, so the weekend after this is released, they'll be releasing the Lumineth Realm Wars box, um, which is extremely exciting. Yes. And um, that that is something I'm going to be picking up, um, because... Mainly to get the book um, and get those cool units at a, at a reduced rate. Um, but I'm, I'm probably not going to be doing the Lumineth Realm Lords for a bit, but they are definitely my next army. Um, really excited about the Lumineth Realm Lords. Um, particularly those cool units. Well, I've got some reservations about some of the other stuff they've brought out. The Spearmen, the Archers, the Cavalry. I haven't got any reservations about. just think they're phenomenal. Yeah, they're, yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, yes, I agree. And it's um, we've spoken about this before, I think, but it marks the kind of continuation of this new idea of a a big release for a new army with the limited edition rulebook in it, um, or special edition rulebook in it, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I feel like the limited edition books that are done now, they fit uh, better in this setup. Because they're standalone pieces, and I appreciate I don't buy them. So, um, if people uh, do collect them and would like to say otherwise, that's absolutely fine, obviously. But they just aren't what they used to be. The limited editions—they're um, twice the price, and and for what from what I can tell, you get a, an alternative cover, and the pages are edged in like a silver. Whereas previously, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Previously, you, you, you know, you got some bits and pieces in there, be they objective markers or uh, order markers or tape measures or transfers or something that was a bit special to go with them. Mm. Um, mm. So actually, I, I think I think the way they are now suits this kind of thing. You know, oh, I got my mine came in this box. Well, I think a, a, a way of sort of putting that from a different perspective is that I've never bought a limited edition codex, no matter what generation it was, um, because I just didn't see the need. You know, codexes are for reading. You know, I have in the past, and I've got a lot of them, limited edition rule books, um, because they're beautiful and they were really done quite phenomenally. Um, and one day when I've got the room, I will have them out, you know, on display for people, you know, for people to see. Um, my favorite one is the one that you got me might have been as a wedding present. Might have been. Well, you have to tell me what it was, which one it was. Like. It's the eighth edition rule book with the leather, the leather bound one with the, me- with all the pages are done to look like it's an old book. It's printed on like old, what, for old fantasy. Yeah, with, with the fancy, emboss- yeah. the big metal hammer thing on the front. Yeah, yeah. that was awesome, yeah. man. That would have been. Yeah. That probably would have been a wedding present because I think I was working in Bath. Mm. Well, I know I was working in Bath when that edition of Fantasy came out. I remember it, but um, uh, and I came to your wedding in a hire car that my dad had hired for me, and that only happened. When I was in Bath, because I didn't have the car anymore, so yeah, it would have, it would have been 
It would have been that, I think. Because that had about seven. Oh, no, no, actually, no. That was even more years ago than that. That was like nine years ago. Well, yeah, but hang on. You've been married for that. I'm getting confused with how long I've been married and how long you've been married. I've been married for ten years. And not to me. (laughs) No, not to you. Devastating. No. So, I mean, that that poor rental car. Although, I did see uh, Joe dancing on to some Spice Girls thing on YouTube today. So, you know, I don't blame you, mate. (laughs) 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 So, um, so yes, I've got that. And that will go out on a... I want to build, like, one of those wooden sort of book stands that you can get. You know, to have that out. A lectern. Because I just... Elected. Yeah, That's exactly there's one of those it. at um at our local church, which is like an eagle with open wings, and I'm like, they don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. I wonder how much they cost. Oh, a lot. Anyway, <laughs> um, I've never bought one apart from presents that have been given to me or rule books. I've never been given or bought a limited edition codex, but I by the end of this year, I will have at least two because they've come in those boxes. Um, the, the Sisters of Battle and the Luminous Realm Lords. Uh, so you know, I, I just think I'm more likely to get them, but I, I do agree. I don't really see the value of them, to be honest. Not, not in something that you want to flick through. But then, having said that, now they're going to give you digital copies of them. Oh, yeah. I'd Never forgotten know. about how good is that? I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a phenomenal piece of news. I'm really excited about do that. Do you know the only thing? I don't want to complain, actually. No, it's just phenomenal. I don't think they're going to give you the back copies. No, 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 no. All all I was thinking is, (laughs) this is is totally first world problem. Yeah. Uh, I like to get it instantly. So, like, I'll have to wait to go and buy my hard copy (laughs) and, and resist buying the digital copy. I have quite a few of them where I've got the digital copy and the hard copy because yeah, well, it's we'll much easier. To, but it's easier to read on the iPad when you're like in bed and it's dark. Yeah, yeah. Than to hold a book up above your head, like <laughs> yeah, especially a rule book or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't think has there been any other releases announced. It's basically been. Well, no, because we've spoken about the, about the Giants, because yeah. that was announced a while ago, Sons of Bear, let's say. Uh... No. So, we talked um, in the hobby desk about how my corner done. I have listened to recently a book that I'd like to talk, talk about okay. called um, The Silver Shard, which is a Callus and Toll book. Um, and I thought when I when I read listened to this that Callus and Toll had been like a, an ongoing series um, for some time that you know their background Inception novel had been written and you know that there was a number of them already out, but it turns out that this is that this is the first novel of theirs. Um, there's a short story in Sacrosanct that's also pretty good where they they deal with a like a a dead thing in a in a swamp that's quite horrendous. Um, but the the silver shard is it was very good. So basically, the it's a 
about them tracking down this this guy who was the um ba- the, like the man in charge of of a city of the name has eluded me because I can never remember names but um a city in in the uh realm of beasts and it they it's in set on a sort of coast where there's uh loads of jungle and the jungle's full of all sorts of crazy beasties and the book starts with them going to find um this uh this the, the grave of this um famous chap called the realm walker who's famous for like, walking all over the place or going all over the place and seeing more of the mortal realms than perhaps anyone ever had done and they find his body not callous and toll but um this guy they're tracking and then it all kind of unfurls from there and it is the thing I love about it or loved about it is that it, it it's just so age of sigma it's got so much mental incredible fantasy in it that is at the same time really gritty and really sort of grounded so there's floating islands where they go um and they go there with the caradron overlords there's a pirate city that's basically in the body of the a dead child of a god beast out at sea um and they kind of like got the harbor in its rib cage and it, you know it's incredible um and they fight this these sea monsters which are just so massive that it's like they've come out of the pages of those old sea maps with the Erebi monsters and the, there's a bloody great squid the size of the ship trying to kill them. It, it's, it's like that. Um, and it's got elven pirates in. Um, really kind of opens up those doors by sort of exploring how they've maybe the Darkling Covens or the privateers are still order, but they're, they're still not, they're not nice people, but they're, they're still order. Um, and it's the first time I've ever read about the Lizardmen and thought, yeah, they totally fit. They absolutely fit, and they're fantastic. Um, as they're defending this relic site, and the the lizard, the, the Asaurus, or Saurian warriors, as, as they call them, in it. Uh, just sort of coming down, like teleporting in in waves to try and you know, defeat these Zangors. I just absolutely loved it. The scope, the scope, the scale of it, the scope of it, and there's lots of really cool sort of cities that once were, and you're in them now. Mm. So the city where they find this Realm Walker body is is in a kind of. Um, crater in the jungle but the crate one end of the crater sort of goes underground so it's sort of like this big cave going down underground and the city's in there um, there's another city on this flying thing and it describes it for various different reasons you get to sort of see one of the cities through the eyes of people who were alive when it was in its all its glory and it, i just <laughs> i just found myself like Completely enthralled with uh, like this one tiny little area, and it, it, when I put the book down, and he's like, "Oh, the end of the bit." He was like, "Oh, we've got another mission, Callis. We're off to go and do off to another realm." 
And I, it suddenly occurred to me that the whole book um, and the scale of it was massive, was on one tiny little area in the realm of beasts, on, on a coastline in the realm of beasts. So it would, it would be like it being set on, you know, like a tiny little section of Lustria, but it felt like you were dealing with the whole of Lustria. It, it was just vast, absolutely vast. And I, I got to the end of it and I was like, I I really want to know what happens now. I really cannot wait for the next Callus and Toll because they are the, the wonderful mix of kind of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed um, ex-soldier who's very competent, um, you know, but very earnest, and this grumpy old inquisitor who is equally very competent, but um, you know, is the sort of guy who talks through his mustache and and you, you kind of think oh, halfway through the book, you kind of like because you. Know, cause you when he goes into situations, it's like I'm the order of the holy emperor of the god of mankind, or you know, uh, the god king of um, Asia, and everyone's like, "Ooh, I better do what this guy says." And you're like, "Why? Why is everyone so frightened of him?" And then he just, there's a bit in the book where he just he you, you find out why because when he gets crossed, <laughs> like you know the, the power that he can wield and his determination to do things is um, is so epic that you know. It left his because Callus is kind of his his um his trainee. It left him a little bit like, what I never thought you'd do something like that. And he's like, if I have to do something like that, I'd wipe out a whole realm if I needed to. And he's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, very much got that inquisitor scope to it. But um, if if you interested in a kind of um great romp around the realm of beasts then it's definitely a book worth picking up and there's some great character interaction in there um and and i would strongly recommend it absolutely i think it's going to be my next one i'm listening to sacrosanct and other stories which you read listened to just before this one i think didn't you have you got to the callous and toll part of that no i've I've literally just listened to sacrosanct just finished it all right okay yeah what did you think of sacrosanct it was interesting in as much as um, there was a lot more uh, Stormcast reference back to the person they were before yeah. than um, than I thought that they that Stormcast did. Um, but I kind of liked that. Don't get me wrong; I, I liked it. I thought it was cool, um, and it was interesting, like the wraiths. And it was interesting exploring, like the people of of the realm. So they're in yeah. Shaish, but these are living people, but living in Shaish in a town. Um, I thought that was cool. Was it? Were they in Shaish or were they in the realm of beasts? I thought they were in Shaish. I think Sacrosanct is in the realm of beasts. Oh, I thought it was in Shaish. Now the dwarves are in Shaish. You'll love the dwarves. Yeah. Later on. You're like that. Yeah, because they deal with the big beast at the start, don't they? The big beastie. Let's turn to chaos. Oh, that's true. Yes, you're right. They do. Yes, they do. Yeah. I thought it was a reasonable story bolted onto a way to try and describe how the sequiturs and castigators fought. That's how it came across to me. Um... And I'm not always keen on those kind of stories. And I, I have worried in the past when I've picked up things like Dark Imperium that it 
in the Dark Imperium very much was that. It was a way of them going through all the different unit types and describing how they all worked and fought. And that's fine. And I don't I have a problem with that. That's kind of what Black Library's role is, is to, is in, in a part, is to do that. Um, so that, that was my only criticism of it. I, I did kind of, it was a bit predictable, but it is cool. The Secretors fighting in that with their, the way they can switch the power between their weapons and their shields. Yes. And when they got it, when they got all of their kind of, might in their shields and things charge at them and then they just kind of just bounce back like um like that poor dude who slams into the shield of Leonidas and 300 and just just exit screen right (laughs) 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 um it kind of reminded me of that so it's good yeah but um, that's all I wanted to talk about in this section Dan unless you've got anything else to add nope Little bit of a book review. We've been doing more book reviews now than we used to, um, probably because we're listening to them while <laughs> we're painting. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I, uh, I don't. It's going to be interesting over the next few months because with forty k getting obviously a, a lot of love, um, that's going to colour certainly my hobby. Um, I've got everything that's in my two thousand point list for Caradon Overlords. All brand new in the boxes, ready to go. Mm. Um, whether it'll get looked at this year now, I don't know. Because... Yeah, but that's that's fine because you've got a good enough reason for that, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm quite comfortable. Just don't sell it before you start it. That. No, no, I, I don't intend to do that. Um, I, I want to do the army. I've got a vision for the army. Um, you know, I've got all the bits I want to do, the cool bases and stuff like that, and I do love them. I think they're very, very cool, uh, and I might, I might get them in. I mean, I, I it depends where I go when I finish this latest batch of of mm. lunatics. So you've you've got to read rats or listen to rats from the Sacrosanct and other stories because that's just wonderful okay, character on book. Um, and you, you've you've got Callus and Toll the the thun, the um the iron the character overlords in that are fantastic. Excellent. Well, um, as we've said, a, a, a significantly shorter Mortal Realms than perhaps normal. Um, however, at some point, the Ale Guzzling, Lunatic, Giant, Sons of Behemoth are going to come along as our Realm Lords. And I'm definitely getting a Son of Behemoth and pausing what I'm doing to paint him because they look beneath it. I think I probably feel like I'm going to do the same. Um, and then add one of each over time where I think actually I'd like to sort that in now. Um, because I don't want, I don't necessarily want a Sons of Behemoth army. I want, I want a Sons of Behemoth in my destruction army. You know, if that makes yeah, any yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, Sweet. Are you going to paint yours chaos? Yeah. 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 I, well, I, I'd probably go with like chaotic tattoos or something. I might do on him. So you're going to do the one with the corn shield on his on his loincloth? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that because I like I like I like the idea that he kind of every so often would get bit pissed off and just stand on one of the corn warriors, <laughs> just that in a rage, you know. But they can't they can't get rid of him because he's too angry. Um, yeah, know. it's not something you want to just. It's not a conversation you want. To- 
Uh, um, Joe, I think um, I think you've overstayed your welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. cool. Okay. Um, so, with that in mind, let's go uh, to the community. Let's do it. Hey, glorious listeners. Welcome to episode 55's Hail to the Community. Um, And we still love you just as much as we did all those episodes ago. Maybe even more. Maybe more. I would say definitely more, actually. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, really good to have you guys along for another journey through your snapshot of what we've enjoyed in the community over the last month. Ben tends to start with his uh, Instagram slash other social media platform shout outs. So uh, over to you, buddy. Yeah, so um, I've been watching um, more YouTube videos this month than I have um, any other hobby, really, or any other sort of social media stuff. Um, and I've got I've got two YouTube channels um, that I'd like to shout out. So the, the first one is someone that um, I've, I've kind of known about for a long time called uh, William Darius, um, whose Instagram account is uh, Will Will Tricks, so W I L T R I C H S, and he is a phenomenal painter, um, really very very good, um, and his, his stuff has always been a, a pleasure to follow. Um, but what he's recently done is, is started a YouTube account, so. Um, uh, he's been doing videos particularly, and you know, it's not difficult to know why he's caught my attention specifically because he's been doing them on Ragnar Blackmane. Um, but he's he's got some wonderful work on his 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 Instagram account. If you want to go back and have a look at that other stuff, but I'm going to focus today on um on uh, his his Ragnar Blackmane video. So. He's currently done, I think it's, it's three three videos on it. So the first one was about assembly. And I found that really, very interesting, actually, Dan, because um, he didn't talk about cleaning it up, but it was very much about how his approach to um, assembling the model um, and and sort of putting it together in a way that you could access each bit. And, he, and I've always found that really interesting, you know, when... When you look at like these really high level painters, um, there's, there's very rarely any kind of, um, obvious mold lines or gaps in a model that's assembled. And yet they've mm. built them in sub assembly. So I've always been very interested yeah. on how they've gone about doing that. Um, and actually this was a really good video. And in fact, at one point he, he said, actually, um, I've, I've gone back now and having looked at it, I've added this bit onto Ragnar's cloak because I realized that once you assembled it, um, if you did them separately, you'd have a mold line that you you couldn't deal with once you'd painted it. You'd have to. So he wanted to do that, uh, you know, a gap that needed filling before he started painting. Oh, okay. So that was that was a really cool sort of little, not as long as the other ones, but a really cool little video um, looking at how he approached that. And he's done another video on his hobby basics, um, which is a more generic video, not a Ragnar Blackman video, which is 
also very useful because I think one of the things I find when it comes to hobby channels is one of the the, the most overlooked topics is is cleaning the model, is assembling the model and and dealing with gaps um, and dealing with mold lines. Um, we kind of assume those things are very easy and that everyone knows how to do them, but actually, um, you know, there's lots of tricks and tips in that. For example, one that I've recently sort of, because I've been assembling so many things that I've come across is that, I've actually worked it out myself, is that if you use water in liquid green stuff, when the water evaporates, the liquid green stuff shrinks down so it doesn't fill very well at all. So I've been starting to sort of thin my liquid green stuff using varnishes of various different kinds um and that that works a million times better because it, it doesn't it, you do get some you know withdrawal into the gap but you don't get anywhere near as much so um, it's interesting that actually because that's my biggest criticism i don't use that liquid green stuff because it does that because it it, it, it it drives me up the wall yeah um well because if i'm going to put the time in to fill a gap i want it filled not not filled until it dries so that's that's quite interesting. I'll have to try that. And I've also picked up a tip from Will Ricks um, from that Wagner video. He said, oh, I've just quickly gone ahead and filled that gap with, with superglue. And I was like, well, hang on, go back. You know, <laughs> with superglue. I've never heard of anyone do that before. So when I was putting together my white lions, I, I used some superglue on some really horrible gaps on their shoulder pads. Um, and... Um, and then ran a bit of that liquid green stuff thinned down with gloss varnish over the top, and you, you wouldn't tell that there was ever a gap there now. So I'm, I'm really happy with it, that. Um, That's very good, because some <laughs> there's nothing, like, nothing quite like those models where they've got the shoulder pad is split in half. Yeah. The elves were awful for it. Yeah. As yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... No, it's it's nice to have a video that's focused on that. But his next video was the armor. Um, he uses the same colors as I do for space walls. Um, apart from he uses a, a bit of brown in the recesses that I'll probably start doing because I really like the way it looked on his. Um, but you know his approach to it was completely different. So he started with Fenrisian grey, and then worked his shading back down from there. Uh, very be- the brightest colour I've ever started with is rust grey, <laughs> so it's the whole tone lower. Um, so to what you know, watching him sort of deal with that was 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 brilliant actually because um, it, it was, I, I learned a lot about how to approach space wolf armor by watching it, um, and I'm pretty sure, or a hundred, almost a hundred percent sure, that when I come to paint my Ragnar Backman, I'm gonna. I'm going to do his, I'm going to just copy what he's doing. I'm going to have the video open and I'm going to follow along because it's the whole idea of the video is it's a paint along. Um, so you paint along. Um, and what's cool about it is that he hasn't edited out any of him painting. So he sped it okay. up, but he's not edited it out. So um, he'll say, this is what I'm doing. And then he'll speed it up so you can see him go around and doing the highlights. So you can see where he's placing the highlights rather than just trying to work it out. Mm-hmm. I really like that approach to it. Um, and then his third video is, was about the face. Um, and I think, um, well, I was very excited about watching that because uh, I, I find that with faces, 80% of the time I can make them look really good and, and 20% of the time they look absolutely horrible. 
<laughs> anything I can do to try and improve my chances of not having a 20%, one of those 20% failures being on a character model, I'm all for that. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, when you paint a blood claw face and you're like, that's wicked, I've done a wonderful job of that, I'm really happy with that. And then you go to paint like a wolf guard, cat, uh, wolf guard battle leader and his face looks gopping and you're like, how did <laughs> What just happened? Um, so I'm I really yeah, I've really enjoyed all three of his videos so far, um, and I'm looking forward to to the next one. And I'm I'm definitely going to be using it to follow along when I come to do my Ragnar Blackmane, which is going to be this year without a doubt, because it's Ragnar Blackmane, and there's only so long I can put off painting him before I just explode in a little explosion of pent up energy. <laughs> Name of your sex tape. <laughs> uh, and the next one is uh, is a is a channel that I'm actually quite surprised I hadn't come across before um, called Midwinter Minis, and they came onto my um, onto my feed because he did a 24 hour paint, 25 hour paint of 2,000 points of of um, Nurgle. And they looked wonderful. Um, and then I went to his his pay, his um, YouTube channel, and his YouTube channel is effectively dedicated to speed painting. So I must have sat down and watched oh seven of his videos mm-hmm. um, across the course of a couple of days. Um, so I watched the Black Legion one, um, but which isn't a Black Legion one. It's kind of, it's the Nurgle Black Legion. Yeah. Uh, what did they? Can't remember what he called them. Um, and now I can't find the video. Bringers of Decay. So it's the Bringers of Decay. That was was really cool. Um, speed painting Blackstone Fortresses. Got fret the what's it? Was also really cool. I watched that because he's quite a clean model, and I wanted to see how he approached that. Um, he's got a wonderful video on eleven easy ways to make MDF look awesome, which I watched after you recommended it because you'd come across that one before. Um, and I watched his orc, how to speed paint orcs ones for obvious reasons because I do a lot of orcs. Um, and his necrons. And did I watch any others? Oh, I don't know if I've seen the necrons ones. Oh, his necrons are really cool. They're um, they're like sandstone, aren't they? Yeah, they're sandstone uh, with sort of glowy blue eyes and and weapons, and I really liked them. Um, did I watch any of the others? No, I think that was. It. So, I mean, there's, oh yes, the how to make free industrial bases from trash, because I really like the idea of that. Um, one of the cool things I liked about his speed painting the orc boys was he gave you, he gave you kind of two standards in the video. So he, he painted the boy in 17 minutes and then said, you know, this is, this is where I would leave it if I was doing a tabletop army that, you know, but if you wanted to do, to spend a little bit more time, you, you could do these extra things. And I really, really liked that um, because, you know, for me, one of the, the things I always hold in my head about speed painting is that if you if you speed painted a model and got it to tabletop standard and then knew what you would do extra to make that model level up, you could effectively do... Well, we've spoken tonight already about the ridiculous backlog that I have. But you could do an army, speed paint it, and then if you thought, actually, I'd like to take that army a bit further, I've suddenly fallen in love with Necrons or um, 
Chaos Nurgle or something, you know where you would go to make those troops better, to to level it up, to to take you know to take further. Um, and I really like that kind of that kind of way of thinking. Um, and the other big take home I, I really liked from his videos is that he more often than not refers to colours just by their colour. And I find that really refreshing. So he will say things like, um, take your favourite brown for leather. Mm. <laughs> Not use this brown. You know, he, he keeps it really open so that, you know, you can just go and get your favourite brown for, for that leather. Um, and it would and it would work just as well. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's two two channels that have kept me occupied. Um for some time this this month and I think that they're two great channels and it's well worth going and having a look at them Midwinter Bunnies are already really well established um, Will, Will is just starting out but um, I think he's, he's, you know, he's well and truly deserves um, followers to to support what he's doing because he's done some really great videos and if they carry on like this he's going to have a wonderful wonderful catalogue of hobby on his channel I um I haven't had a chance to check out Will's stuff, but Midwinter Minis I, I do enjoy uh quite a lot. And um that that paintathon thing which they did with himself, Goobertown and the Miniac was there just were two of two other fantastic brilliant. channels as well. Yeah, yeah. Really worth checking out. Miniac painted for thirty eight hours. That's because he's a maniac. <laughs> it, it was it was insane. Yeah. What was really funny is that he undercoated and Zenith or Zenith undercoated like a massive army because he was like, I'm going to get loads done. And then he painted five knights and ten wolves. (laughs) It was so funny. They did look cracking. They did look cracking. What are the Imperial Knights? No, no. No. Blood Knights. Vampire Blood Knights. Oh, wow. Okay. Not not five Imperial Knights. That's a long time. <laughs> to be this they look good, though. Oh, um, without a doubt. Cool. So, uh, as ever, I get to talk about the community uh, hobby page. So, last month's competition was Inception, and our, our winner is Ross, um, and his rather cool Cordor. I know he ummed, ard, ummed and ard, and ard and ummed, and ummed and ard about how he was going to paint those. So it's great to see them done and done really well. So thank you. Thank you for those that entered. Blessed relief to see them done. Yeah. <laughs> if you changed the colour scheme one more time, I think I was going to cry. <laughs> yeah. It does. Sometimes it doesn't help being part of... So Ross is part of um, the hobby chat Ben and I are in. And you, you basically you have an influx of loads of different ideas. Yes. So, like, literally, I said, uh, blah, 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 I would do it this way. And then Marcus said completely the opposite. So you had, like, two different views and ideas, and then you've got Ross like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that's not always helpful. But very well done, mate. They do look really, really cool. Um, so this month's competition is based around the idea of um, 
It's like grimdark stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's grimdark. And the, you, the I know idea you is, came up with this one, so is is to celebrate um, because people ask this to me a lot, and and the, the topic does come up a lot. Um, is painting miniatures an art? Uh, is art? Is it art? Um, and I've I've always argued very strongly that yes, it is because. Um, what else one, would you call it? Well, some people feel like it's a bit like painting by numbers, or is it a craft? Or, but actually, you know, if you if you look, I know I don't really understand, <laughs> but if you look at it, the, the I think the key thing is that if you got twenty painters to paint the same model, you would get twenty different models, um, and then, and in that, I think it is the biggest argument for it being art is that you know it is a it, style is a big thing. So what I wanted to do was because we've been talking a lot about grimdark over the last couple of months and using grimdark methods to speed up speed painting um and 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 create things in a more realistic way um as part of you know a skill set that you can use to, to paint models um and i thought it would be cool to bring some people out of their comfort zones and challenge people to paint a model in the grimdark style um and the Grimdark style is a massive, there's a massive variation from Blanchitsu to, you know, to, to things that are multicolored and, you know, using a lot bigger palette, palette, but are equally as grim and dark. And I think, you know, we're, when we come to judge the competition, I think we're going to let people just do that. And, you know, if they think it looks grim dark, they will vote more for it than, than others. But it's, it's essentially to just push people out of their comfort zone to, to make them think about doing things in a different way. Um, just for one model, so that you know, hopefully people will learn things. Um, I certainly have by sort of reading about it over the last couple of months, um, and and then hopefully people will enjoy it because it's always nice to sort of you know a change is as good as a rest is the, is the is the way I think best way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I also get to talk about the cool stuff I've seen. Um, and really, for me, standout one, and and obviously I know I talk about uh, Ben a lot, but for me, seeing Ben finish up 2,000 points of his Beast Claws slash Ogre More Tribes is just just fantastic. Really, really good. Because I know uh, Ben struggles to find time for painting, um, and uh, and he has painted those to a really nice standard. Yeah, lovely. And it's, it's worth pointing really... out that one of them won a finalist pin in, Gold, in Golden Demon. Yeah. And, so... and they're pretty much all painted to the same standard. Yeah. So. so so they're really nice. And, and there's something to really celebrate about reaching a 2,000-point milestone in yes. one of the games. There, there yeah. really is. Um, so that's Ace. They are well worth checking out um, if, you, if you haven't seen them already. Uh, Get on there and have a look because they are they are really really good. I love them, and, and I can't wait to smash them with the corn. <laughs> Not that that's going to happen, but uh, you know. metaphorically smash them, of course. Smash them metaphorically, <laughs> yes. That, yeah. that, that would be uh, that would be more than well, well, that would be fine, wouldn't it? So, yeah. um, so some other cool stuff in here. David Morris has put a picture of one of my favourite Nurgle models ever, which is the Demon Prince, the old metal Demon Prince um, for 40k. I think that's a really excellent model, um, and he's done done it really nicely. 
Um, very I did that one for Games Workshop Plymouth. I love that. Yeah, it's a great model. I think it might still to this day be the only Nurgle model I've ever painted. Well, that's sad. It's a bit, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You should change that by doing a Nurgle army. <laughs> um, as ever, there's loads of cracking stuff on here, guys. I really think you should go check it out. Rich Nutter's Eldar army. He's finished a whole Eldar army, so that's great to see as well. Um, some random cool miners from Paul Allen. Really yeah, like those, great. Paul. Good yeah. work there, buddy. They are really nice. Simon, so Simon from uh, SVG Hobby and Games um, has done a, a really nice Blood Angel model. And by his own confession, he he very rarely paints um, because he's so busy. Probably busy just getting us all all cool toy soldiers, really. Um, but yeah, that is an excellent model, so that's really good as well, buddy. So, so yeah, and if I haven't said. Uh, about your stuff, it's basically because I don't want to just go blah, 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 and list everything. People should go check it out, but it's really nice, really nice stuff on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one other thing we wanted to talk about in the community section um, is the Grimdark Compendium. Yeah. Um, so we've already touched on it a few times. We touched on it in the Hobby Desk. Uh, pretty sure we'll talk about it in the 40k section when we record that. Um, as it seems appropriate. Uh, and I know you've already mentioned it as well. So the Grimdark Compendium, um, I don't actually know the guy's name. Do you no, know? I don't either, no. actually. It's not very good, is it? But it's a website which really focuses on Grimdark as a painting style, um, really starts with the basics uh, and and then how you go about it. Some really interesting techniques on there. Um, you can sign up um for access to all the tutorials, but I think the four basic getting started with Grimdark tutorials are free, and you can watch those. The quality of the videos and the work is excellent, really, really good. Um, and it's got some great ideas and stuff in there which I, I want to explore, so definitely worth checking that one out. Yeah, 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 they're really, really good. Um, I've just seen that he's just released a, a Space Wolf tutorial series. That'll be interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um, yeah, so I, it's... The basic series that he's done, like the How to Paint in Grimdark style, um, teaching you techniques is, is very, very useful. Um, and... He's got a paint-along tutorial of how to paint a Nurgle Space Marine that's sort of taking it from start to finish, and that's that's really excellent too. Um, and I think the, the thing I like most about it is that because he teaches you the the approach, how to deal with you know the techniques, you can take those away and use them however you want to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's all about adding um, toolbox stuff to your toolbox to um you know to make your hobby life easier uh, and there's a lot of things he talks about in there that um you won't find in a lot of lot of tutorials so things like um using oil washes um and using things like aka interactive streaking grime so which is an enamel um an enamel wash isn't it i think um and then using isopropyl and things like that to gently wipe away 
the um, the surface level stuff. So you, you're getting your highlights back from that. And, um, you know, those two things are really useful. Um, and they, they, create a di- they, they create a different effect that I think would be really excellent to have in the toolbox. Um, I'm very tempted to specifically choose an army. Um, and if he's done a Space Wolf thing on there, I might, might be cool to do my four, um, 30k Space Wolves using it. Um, you know, Horus Heresy Space Wolves using it to, you know, get a kind of different, different feel to them from my other Space Wolves. Um, but yeah. I really like the channel. Yeah, well great. worth a watch. Cool. Well, um, in that case... I think the only thing to say is that, you know, um, now the shops are all starting to open again, one way or another. Just remember, like we've always said, to support the support the place that gives you the most back for your hobby. And whether that's, you know, gaming support, whether that's that they've kept you interested and engaged during lockdown with their social media presence, whether that's providing gaming tables when they're open, whatever, um, you know, we can't, we can't shout out the places for their events at the moment because there aren't any, um, for obvious reasons, but, um, yeah. I know Curtin are working on some social distancing stuff to, to do like a soft reopening. Um, and I know Big are as well. Big would find it a lot easier than Curtain. Curtain's gaming loft is um can be quite cramped if you've got a lot of people in there. Oh, um, I think both of them. They, I think, eventually they will do something for the gaming areas. But in both those instances, it's initially just, just it's just shop, the store. It? Okay, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really good in Big's case because I like. I like to browse and will base some purchasing decisions on what is in stock. So Curtin has an in stock section of their website. Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, with big, it was, it was more of a kind of, you just kind of send a message and say, have you got this? Yes, no. Um, so yeah, that, that's good. I'm pleased about that. Cool. It'd be nice to things to start opening again, although we never know how this is, any of this is going to pan out, do we? So, nope. Luckily, mate, you've got more than enough miniatures if we end up in another lockdown, haven't you? I got more enough miniatures if we end up going into the flipping apocalypse, and I'm strapped in this house for the next five years. Yeah. <laughs> although yeah. I might run out of paint, which would be thoroughly <gasps> depressing. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Talking about, I've nearly run out of. Agrex, Earthshade. Better get some more. Cool. Okay, so... How uh, do you run out of Agrex, Earthshade? Don't you carry, like, spare pots of that? No, I don't like having spare pots of paint around. Really? I, I have a whole drawer of spare pots of paint. No, I can't be dealing with that. I ain't got space for all that. To the point where this is awful now, so I'm really sorry. If I buy a new pot, if I look in a pot and find it's, like, nearly run out, um and put it on my list, and then I buy it, I'll just throw the other one away. So what did you say? I'll just throw away, even if it's got a bit of paint that's usable in it. I'll, I'll tip it in if I can, if I can get it out, but sometimes you can't, can you? Because you know, I'll just throw it in. Get it out of the way. Every, every time you do something like that, one of the paint fairies dies. All right. Yeah, well, it's been the apocalypse for them then. <laughs> that's just awful. Anyway... 
I found that I ended up getting a lot of spares because of like the Conquest magazine and the Mortal Realms magazine. So you have a lot of spares because you hoard. Not not with paint. I've got. I'm not. I am not. I've got a drawer. I've got a complete drawer up here of spares. I do, but I don't hoard. I don't hoard paint, but I've got all these spares. I got them from Mortal Realms and um, the Conquest magazine, which you really needed. Well, yes, I did. Are you getting all of Conquest, or was that just the first few that you got it from? First few when you got like gold and black. Yeah. So I've got about six pots of gold. And eBay I've... is just covered in gold, gold and, black. and black. I've got so many about and blacks, so I don't know what to do with them. Mm. <laughs> you can build a little wall out of them. Put them in the bin. Yeah. In fairness. <laughs> um, okay, let us go into the wildly. Lord of the Ringsy lands. Lord of the Ringsy land. Yeah, let's do it. Hi, guys, and uh, welcome to um, Into the Words where we've just had a little chat and we realised that actually I think we've spoken about the last Lord of the Rings release that's come out so um, we're not, not sure there's anything to talk about since since we last spoke about no, it. No, I didn't see anything. I think the only thing that's come out is the um, they've done the unit cards again. Yes, which is fantastic. Which because is it was it was very frustrating. I thought when they're gone that <laughs> that was the end of it. Um, so it's really cool to see those. Um, I suppose the only thing, other thing to say about that is that um, AM is coming out. If we haven't already said that, we'll say it again because it's really exciting to have AM. Um, and I sat down with Tristan and watched all three Lord of the Rings films over the last month um, on days when I've had him home alone with me while Joe's been at work. Um, and he absolutely loved them, mate. So um, I can see Lord of the Rings miniature gaming being something that he would be very excited about. Um he spent at least 48 hours running around the house shouting, you shall not pass. Um, which <laughs> was brilliant. Uh, to be fair, I still, I still run around shouting, you shall not pass. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, he got so excited when Gandalf came back, mate. He, he loved Gandalf and was devastated when he died. Um, so when Gandalf came back as Gandalf the White, he thought that was, he thought that was wonderful. So, um, I have another. I remember that from when I the first time I read the book. Yeah. And I remember rereading the bit where he fell down the chasm loads of times because I just couldn't just refuse to I believe just, it. Yeah. What? Yeah, I was the same. Yeah. There's something about that with books, isn't there? There's something very magical where the suspense they can create because they they invariably, even if you read a book quickly, that. The, the time span between when that happened and when you read Gandalf the White turning up, um, it's quite a while, yeah. and and also like it's quite rare for a book. I mean, back I suppose back when I read that, there was no social media anyway. Um, it was still flipping, bleeping, and blopping dial-up connections and all this. Oh, they were amazing. <laughs> A Nokia three three ten. Oh yeah, I love it. You could build a house out of. Um, 
but I I don't know. I might be wrong. I might not maybe be in the right groups for it. But you, I don't. You don't seem to often see a book spoiler. Yeah, agreed. So so you can have those moments of like oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that was that was a real joy for me. Um, Battle of Pelennor Fields. He was hopping around the room, swishing a fake sword around like all the way through it. He was just absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. So. Yeah, that's a really exciting, exciting moment um, to drag him away from Pokemon, even for a couple of weeks, because um, currently obsessed with that at the moment. Um, the so what we decided to talk about instead, um, well, we were going to talk about it anyway, but we, we'll focus a little bit more on it. Is um, Drowned Earth, um, which is a game that was released um, some time ago now, I think, so two thousand and. 17 maybe um i think something like that and they they have now um well the creator of that has is sort of releasing a new product called alea chronicles which is um uh, an adventure campaign war game for for wonderful players and it's it's set in the it's set in the um universe or the, you know the the uh background of drowned earth so the drowned earth is a post-apocalyptic kind of tropical world with just overrun with water and there are dinosaurs um and the dinosaur models for drowned earth are wonderful (laughs) they really really are um in fact all the models for drowned earth are wonderful um but they include like various different kinds of dinosaurs some that you'd recognize some that you, you wouldn't um i don't know if they're actually based on real dinosaurs um or whether they're just sort of uh, it doesn't look like it, but they, they've called them things like Dilophosaurs, Sinoraptors, but they're they're really <laughs> excellent. Um, and there's loads of sort of different war bands, uh, like the Corsairs and things like that, that um, are really excellent. Um, they've done, they funded their new Kickstarter in twenty three twenty three minutes, so they're, they're not going to need any <laughs> any help from us to, to sort of do it. Um, and I believe that they've done. They funded it. It's two thousand percent funded now. So, um, one thousand percent funded. So it's it's going to happen, which is excellent. That's insane. Um, So it kind of it's a good indicator of just how popular Drowned Earth is. And I had uh, the pleasure of seeing them do demo games at Roll Dice last year, and they had a brilliant setup table. And I fell in love with the miniatures. Um, very, it's just excellent, and the artwork is wonderful. There's a kind of sort of um, the primary piece of sort of artwork is this ruined city, all covered in jungle with massive waterfalls and like Brachiosaurus wandering around in this big pool, this big lagoon, um, which I just absolutely love. I think it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a great great set of miniatures, and they it's a it's kind of mixes in sort of um, Planet of the Apes style kind of stuff in so sort of other animals have evolved. I don't know the back backward background completely, but other animals have evolved um, to be sort of full full, full human sized and intelligent. Like there's a there's one called Kalen, which looks like a um, a fox. Um, there's a dude in a battle suit which I just absolutely love called Forek, and he's got like a 
triceratops mounted on the top of this battle suit that just think is absolutely brilliant. Um, triceratops skull. Um, and like I said, there, there's the, there's all of the dinosaur models. So miniature wise, well, well worth a look. Um, and one of our, one of our friends, Chris, who we sometimes refer to as narrative Chris because you can't play a game without writing a narrative for it. It's just, it's against his genetics, I think. Um, <laughs> um, he has just gone all in on Drowned Earth and within the space of, I think, a fortnight would be a reasonable estimate. He has made a board, made five pieces of scenery and painted up a ton of dinosaurs to go with it. Uh, yeah, and he's looking to get another crew. They're called crews in Drowned Earth, so he's getting another one as well. So it's excellent. Um, it looks wonderful. Um, he, he clearly had a vision with that, didn't he? He, he knew exactly what he wanted. He wanted this two-by-two two board, um, you know, and everything on it, and it just looks fantastic. Um, so if you're interested in a skirmish game um, with a sort of different setting, different background, um, it's really well realised with some beautiful artwork and some fantastic models to go with it. Then Drowned Earth is is a great place, so a great thing, a great great option to go and have a look at. Um, and it's you know this new chronicle, this Alea Chronicles, which is a, a cooperative game. Um, it looks very interesting. What is quite interesting, Dan, is the actual core box is. Um, it's all kind of two-dimensional terrain and, and cardboard cut-out models, just to sort of... Um, I don't know how much it costs for the rule book for, for the starters box, but to just get you out and playing, you know, there's, there's some merit to that, I think, you know. Mm. Um, you know, rather than having to faff around with the miniatures. But the miniatures are all there if you want to replace them out and, and use... You know, actual actual models for them, and they are they are great. It's probably a good way to keep the entry cost low yeah. because you know it's a brand new system. Although obviously people have jumped all over it, um, but you might you know you might not want to put people off by making the entry point too high. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the interesting things about this a layer thing is that it's 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 based on a card based AI system, so you can practically play it on your own if you wanted to. Um, which I think is really cool. That is cool. Um, I, I always think that that's quite quite interesting way because so, you know one of these fa- things I've found I often found with game these games. Um, it looks like the core box is thirty nine uh, or for, recommended retail price of forty nine pounds. Um, it is that um, you often get a rule set and think. Oh, I need someone else to learn how to play this realistically, or you end up having one of those really sad games. I don't know if you've ever ever played like a new forty k or Games Workshop set where you set the 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 scenario out from the book and you play one side and then you go around to the other side of the table and play the other side and you think, really, I am the coolest guy in the universe. <laughs> um, especially now at the moment where getting someone over to play with you is. It's tough. It, it's not. It's impossible. So having a single single player entry into it is a really good idea. It's funny you should mention that. I said to Harry, I was thinking of getting a gazebo for the garden, so I could set up a game under the gazebo, and then Wozni could come round 
we can play, but in the garden. Because obviously outdoors is like massively less risky. Oh, it's, it's significantly lower risk. It is. Uh, and, and obviously we could stay two metres apart. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the last time I played a game... But I've, I've got a giant tree in my garden, which pretty much covers the whole thing, the canopy, so I don't want a pigeon crapping on the models. <laughs> last time I played outside, the wind blew everything over, so just to warn you. Yeah. Oh dear, yeah. To play, play on a non-windy day. Um, the, the last thing I wanted to talk about, unless you wanted to add anything to Drowned Earth, Dan? No, I will do in the future, because as you say, Chris has gone all in on it, so I'll be playing some. Yeah. Um, which which would be good. Like I I say that as if it's a bad thing, but it isn't. I it's a really it's great because it's a good way for me to try out some other things. He's bought Call to Arms, the Skyrim game, Skyrim yeah. thing as well, and I'll, I'll, so I'll I'll have a chance to try in that because normally I wouldn't, you know, I'm just like, is it made by Games Workshop? No, or not buying that one. <laughs> Grumpy face. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, I think it'll be cool, and then you, you can do a proper review on the on the rule system as well. So, yeah, I'm yeah. sure Chris will have some interesting thoughts. And the only other thing I want to talk about is that with Father's Day coming up, I can say this with some degree of confidence that my dad isn't going to be listening to this. But uh, a little while back, I showed him Tabletop World and said, "Oh, look at these! Aren't they fantastic?" Um, and he he immediately said, as well as my mum, oh, they would be brilliant for my model, my my steam railway, my model, my model railway. And I was like, well, they're 28 mil, Dad, so they're not, you know, they're, they're a bit big. Um, he liked them so much that he's actually doing a larger scale railway to go, to, so that he can use them, that's going to be a almost completely fantasy setting, um, mum, my mum has decided. <laughs> and between them they've also decided that apparently I'm I'm going to paint them as well oh so, I see nice of them um, well it's a good job you haven't got much of a backlog of your own to work no exactly uh, anyway so we, we started this process with for Father's Day um, I've got or my mum paid for and I'm going to paint um, the outhouse for him Um the toilet, because it, funnily enough, it, it sort of reminds us of my my mum and dad live on a farmstead, and when they first moved in, we renovated it like a long time ago. It was in an absolute state. I can't even begin to describe how bad it was. I think you might remember some of the photographs of it, but we just had to gut the place completely and start again. It was a lot of work. But there was an outside toilet, which was literally... A little stone building with um, a wooden plank with a hole in um, and, a, and a bucket and a place for you to put the bucket. Um, and it re- this little outhouse reminded us of that. So my mum my mum sort of bought it and I'm going to paint it. But I took the opportunity to get in on the shipping and picked up the blacksmith's forge as well. And I, ha- I am I, I cannot put into words how impressed I am with the quality of, of the tabletop world models, man. They are absolutely superb. The the definition, the detail, the attention to, you know, how they fit together, 
Um, you know, what bits you can see, what bits you can't. And even like, you know, they've taken the time to do, so you can take the roof off of both of them. The inside of the roof is modeled and the inside of it is modeled so that you can, you can play like role playing things on the inside if you wanted to. I, I am absolutely in love with them and I am now unfortunately <laughs> sort of going down this path in my head where I'm going to have a little village. Um, which is, it was just going to happen because they just absolutely adore them. And I, yeah, they're wonderful. I'm going to they are be using a lot of the techniques from Goober Town and another chap painted the whole tabletop scenics, uh, tabletop world stuff in like a, basically a week, I think. And it, um, they did a lot of, a lot of it quite quickly. And it still looks fantastic, so I'm going to be pinching a lot of those methods. But I'm very excited about it. Very excited indeed. Wizards Towers I next. love that stuff, man. Yeah, I love it. I think... The thing for me about the tabletop world stuff, though, is... It makes me just want to get into doing D&D. Yes, yeah. yeah. But, but not like a couple of books. Like, I kind of feel like one day Destiny will call to me and D&D will become my, th- my thing. And I'll have all the books and then I'll paint loads of skeletons and goblins and have loads of caverns and then have those 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 um, tabletop world Because they're so evocative and they're like, they draw you in and make, they look real. Mm. They do. They they look they look so but with, real with a fantasy twist to them, yeah. and that, and that's what's so fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited yeah. about them. I, I, I'm 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 sorry. <laughs> like I said, I'm struggling to put into words how impressed I am with it. Um, I think that, I just think it's fantastic, um, absolutely fantastic, and I and I cannot wait to grow the collection now. Now I've got one. And I really wanted the Blacksmith's Forge. I don't know what it was about it, but I think it was the fact that when I first saw it, it was one of the only ones with loads of exterior details. So it's got like his tool rack on the wall and there's the anvil and there's the, you know, there's the, the actual forge itself with the, with the bellows. And I, oh, it's just like, oh, it's just amazing. And I, what I'm going to paint up is the little dude running away dude from the bottom of the giant. So that, you know, when I'm playing a game, he'll he'll have been the blacksmith, and everyone's turned up, and he's running away, going, "Oh, oh I think I've got the original um, Voltan model." Yeah, you have. Yeah, um, I know which one. The blacksmith got. one. I'm sure you have, because I'm sure when we were in your shed once, I opened a little box, and in it, you had all three of them. I don't have all three of them. Um, I've got the one where he's uh, he's abs, you know. He's, Covered in armor <laughs> and carrying Galmaraz. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the face sculpt on that, but I think I'm pretty sure I've got Volt, you know, when he was the blacksmith. And I can see a couple of scenarios coming out of that. That'd be wonderful. Absolutely. Anyway, I'm, just, I'm really excited about them. Um, next on my list is, is either going to be the merchant house, the one with the water wheel, but the one with the water wheel means that I'd have to get the river. Not that that's a bad thing, <laughs> and because um, it's got a bridge next to it, and uh, and the Wizard's Tower, the Wizard's Tower is just—I think the Wizard's Tower is the top of the list because 
you could do that on its own. You could have the Wizard's Tower on its own. I, you've got me thinking now. I love the idea now of having the Blacksmith's Forge and then every time you go near it, to roll a dice and on like a six, your unit takes D3 mortal wounds as Bolton comes yes. out of the window swinging his hammer. Make it a dangerous terrain. <laughs> it's like, stay away from my forge, you evil cow skits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. So, yeah. Uh, if you haven't, if you haven't honestly... And I know they're expensive. Um, and unfortunately, they do something which I understand because they're now such a big international player that they don't put VAT on their website because, um, because I guess they're not, they're not calculating it for each individual country. But, um, that was frustrating. So that was a bit of a sting in the tail when I got to the checkout. Um, but, um, it is it's well worth having a look at because even if you get one model and put it on the battlefield, it, it will make a it will improve it, level it up, mm. level it up. Excellent. So on that happy note, um, I think that draws us to the end of episode fifty-five. Thank everyone for listening along. It was a little bit longer this time, I think, because we were aiming for the middle. We're aiming for the middle of the month and it, and this month because it was, I don't know how it worked out, but it ended up being, I think, a little bit longer. But we shall see you middle of July. So four weeks yeah, time. Yeah, and I just, just want to say thank you to everyone that's stayed listening. Um, I know the schedule's moved around and changed a bit, et cetera, et cetera. But I uh, really do appreciate those people that stuck with us. Um, yeah. Really very much. It's, it's, it's really good of you. Um, as ever, we are on various social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, a bit on YouTube as well. We've got the website that you can find out a bit more. We've got Patreon if you want to support, um, support what we're doing. Um, and a huge thank you to all of our patrons because we, we do, we can't imagine how much we appreciate it. Um, it, ma- it makes, it makes it so much easier to do to to run the podcast having your support it really does um yeah yeah absolutely and and thank you as well to um to simon um at svg hobby and games and to the guys at curtain uh who provide us with bits and pieces for for prizes when we do something with a prize mm. and um help us out with discount for for miniatures all very much appreciated. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that's it now. Episode 55 is over. Roll on. Episode 56. I don't say that. We haven't edited this one yet. Well, won't be long. Hopefully. <laughs> All right, guys. See you for the next one. Bye.